questions get asked when people have hesitancy or reluctance to get vaccinated. Did you go too quickly is the first. The answer to that is the speed was a reflection of extraordinary scientific advances and did not compromise safety, nor did it compromise scientific integrity. The next question is, okay, but what about the fact, is it really safe and is it really effective? Or is this something the government is trying to put over on us? Is this something the companies want to take advantage of? Well, let's take a look at what's happened over the past few months. We've had clinical trials, and thanks to the volunteers in that trial, in tens of thousands who have put themselves on the line to prove to the country and the world that these are safe and effective products. It is really bittersweet. The bitterness is the fact of what the Vice President mentioned. We still are in the middle of a very difficult situation with record numbers of cases, hospitalizations, and deaths. But the sweetness is the light at the end of the tunnel, which I can tell you, as we get into January, February, March, and April, that light is going to get brighter and brighter, and the bitterness is going to be replaced by the sweetness. And we all hope, and I think this is doable, that by the time we get to several months into this year, we will have enough people protected that we can start thinking seriously about the return to normality. And that's up to all of us to step forward and get vaccinated. Welcome to the Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Thursday, November 24th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. I know there's a lot going on, but I thought it was important to talk about a few important things before I go and see my family, which is really what's important today, right? Just remembering that you have family out there, whether it's this family in this chat, whether it's the TLAF community, whether it's your family out there, right? That's what matters. That's what's what important to focus on today. We're going to talk about interesting revelations that you guys have been hearing from me since 2021. We're going to talk about how the New York Times appears to have just accidentally, maybe intentionally, exposed yet another in a long string of we're finally seeing clearly false flags by the Ukrainian government. And we're also going to talk about how Vayer seems to have been manipulated, seems to be altered, quietly deleting things and changing things, adding disclaimers, and that literally states the CDC and FDA have now removed this data. Great. Because it's because they've checked it all? No, no. In fact, we've proven that they don't even have the resources. They've admitted on the record that they haven't done so. And yet we're just going to delete it all, or some of it anyway. But the point of it all today is that they're clearly trying to run from what's happening now, there's no reason that would be happening if you weren't making a difference. So think about that today and let that reflect on the work that you've done and how much we've exposed over this time frame. I want to start today with a shout out to uh, the, the group from Redacted, Clay Morris, who 
played one of Taylor's great interview clips on one of his recent shows and just where there was no attribution given. And I just, uh, Taylor, had po- we pointed it out. Somebody had said something and he circled back and just said, Hey, our pleasure. Great work. The clip didn't have basically said that we'll circle back and we'll address that. And they did on the, on their last show. And they gave a shout out to Taylor and, and T lab. And I just want to say, thank you clay for addressing this. T lab appreciates the shout out. Uh, and, and again, here's the link if you guys want to see the source material, which is the important part, by the way, of the work is making sure you don't just listen to what we're talking about. Any of us or Dr. Bender or Taylor look at the source material so you know how to talk about it, not just to be able to return and re- regurgitate what we are being told. And that goes for any media out there, including this, this channel. That's why we're so important. It's so important to me personally and everybody at T-Lab to source everything that they say. But I want to say thank you because this really ha- rarely happens today. And I appreciate that. Now, I wanted to start off with a a quick point on Twitter, an interesting development in all this that I don't think many people are seeing. I do know Doom Doom saw it in the chat. We talked about it earlier. There's an interesting thing that people aren't really picking up on that I think is clearly intentional, but that's my opinion. But I want to talk about censorship in general, but Twitter and where this seems to be going. But I wanted to play this interesting clip because this does seem very relevant in the conversation, especially as we get into more of like the pandemic treaty discussion, which I'll probably be getting to tomorrow or the next day which is, you know, we've been telling you that's been coming for a long time and it's still developing, but we're going to try to continue to keep up on the development stages of it. But this is also really important in regard to, you know, just everything that's going on around the censorship discussion and how they're in, or really, you can take it even further back, as you'll see in this clip, and point this kind of contradiction out in everything that they do. In this clip, you're going to see, as she calls her peppermint patty, saying well, we can't do that because that would be running afoul of our free speech stance and whatever. And then later on, literally saying that's exactly what we're doing. There's no def- no missing that, except there's just a justification for why they're now doing it. Except if it still goes afoul of your policies, then you don't care about your policies. And the point is, you can see that everywhere in Ukraine. Oh, they're sabotaging the electric grid, just like you did with Venezuela or like you did with Syria. Or like you- No, but that was for freedom. OK, got it. It's just all ridiculous contradictions everywhere. And we'll go through it, but we'll start with this today on the censorship contradiction and then go through Twitter and and sadly where I do think this is heading. Yeah, um, the Indian government ordered Twitter, Facebook, Instagram to block social media posts criticizing the handling of the COVID response there. Any White House comment on that? Well, that certainly wouldn't be aligned with our view of freedom of speech around the world. The actions, Alex, that uh, we have taken or we're working to take, I should say, from the federal government, uh, we've increased uh, disinformation research and tracking uh, within the Surgeon General's office. We're flagging problematic posts for Facebook uh, that spread disinformation. You shouldn't be banned from one platform and not others uh, if you are for providing misinformation. Well, I think we engage regularly with all social media platforms about steps that can be taken. That has continued, and I'm sure it will continue. It didn't come as any surprise that we're in regular touch with social media platforms. Just information that is leading to people not taking the vaccine, and we have a responsibility as a public health matter to raise that issue. But then speaking of misinformation, concern, though, I think for all... I, I wasn't even planning on stopping it, but I just want to say really quickly right there how interesting it is that she would literally say that things are being stated. They're not even fake or wrong, right? But this information's being stated that's leading to people not taking vaccines. First of all, we're now seeing that that's true information, at least in part. She didn't make very clearly avoided saying anything wrong or fake, but also just the fact that why is that the fault of the information or the person that posted it? You're talking about a conscious adult who's making their own choices, sure, possibly or maybe influenced by what was posted, 
either way, you're now saying that we're responsible for the actions of literally anybody if they just happen to look at something that we do and they interpret it their own way. I mean, there's no way you could actually make this like to its extreme or to its full conclusion without realizing how ridiculous and subjective and manipulated this can be, especially when put in the pans of people like this. And now and we see that already. That's why they're playing this game. More of this point will be fleshed out throughout this entire show. It's all like this today. Everything about how it just sets this false narrative and this hollow argument. And all they do is play on your emotions. Children are being hurt. And it's like, okay, well, did we define who actually shot them or who actually fired the missile? No, but they said it was Russia. So let's keep going. That's what this is all about. Same thing here. A lot of people on Facebook is that now this is Big Brother watching you. For how long has the administration been spying on people's Facebook profiles looking for vaccine misinformation? So we are regularly making sure social media platforms are aware of the latest narratives dangerous to public health. And we work to engage with them to better understand the enforcement of social media platform policies. mRNA vaccines are untested and thus risky, even though many of them are approved and have gone through the gold standard of the FDA approval process. Oh, have they now? Right. See, these people don't get fact checked, do they? You mean the thing that still has literally not even been given? Or how about the fact that you're claiming they've been approved, but you're still giving people the emergency authorization version? You know, none of this matters. It's just narrative. And you don't even get real pushback. That's the illusion. So promoted like Aaron Rodgers, promoted alternative, You know how we feel about misinformation. Oh, you mean the misinformation story that's later been proven to be correct. We're talking about Aaron Rodgers here, right? They never care to fault to circle back and say, oh, I was mistaken about that, right? I'm sorry I shot down that very true story. I'm sorry we asked for censorship of things we now admit are true. None of that ever happens. And all of of course this overlaps with the pandemic of the injected discussion right but that's not what we're getting into first but that there's overlaps with this video with everything we're talking about today <laughs> now what's interesting is and again shout out to uh texas kate or texas Lindsay, which is what it said tm on the video itself but just I, it, i'm glad I, I love when people make these kind of like and it's so easy to do there's one we'll get to by pierre Corey at the end about ivermectin like, the FDA is going to stand there and say, we never told you to do that. Well, here's a tweet where they literally told you to do that. Like, these people don't care, even if they're exposed today, as long as they keep the narrative moving. That's what it seems like. Or they're so desperate that they don't know what else to do. I don't know. But how else do you explain how easily pointed out this stuff is? Not that it's not worth doing. Again, shout out for doing this. I love this kind of stuff. But the point is, they lie. I know, shocking, right? <laughs> bombshell but the point is that they're constantly being caught in it now which is the new part of this i rarely see this much exposure now to the point of censorship i just wanted to point this out november 22nd this is me again the renewal from twitter saying yep we reviewed your case for the 13th time and guess what they changed the reasoning i guess elon's musk's twitter is different now because before it was medical misinformation you guys have seen all this this is t lav vagabond the original account right guess what they say now your account has been suspended and will not be restored because it was found to be violating their terms of service under hateful conduct. Hateful conduct. Just to be clear, it says it is against our rules to promote violence against or direct attack or threaten other people. Okay, never. I would love to see somebody point out where I have promoted violence against anybody ever, except, you know, maybe counterbalance that where I say I'm never, ever, ever calling for violence. But that's fake news, right? I never said that 30,000 times over my career. But direct attack or threaten people, same point. 
on the basis of race, ethnicity, national origin, sexual orientation, gender, gender identity, religious affiliation, age, disability, or disease. Okay, all of those things are what they divide you on all right now. Or that their allies actively attack people for. You know, let's go to the World Cup at Qatar. Nope, you can't because you're gay, but I'm a bad guy, right? The point is they don't care about any of this stuff. They're hypocritical everywhere. But apparently I am currently in Elon Musk Twitter not allowed to have my account back because I am a hateful person conducting threatening and hating people around the internet, which is not even true. Like literally, of all people out there, I would love to see somebody make an, a real argument of how I have even remotely been hateful against somebody or violent against somebody. Well, I take it back. I was pretty negative against Kathy Griffin. <laughs> Maybe that's what they're called. I don't know. I'm joking because I just think I don't. I thought she was disgusting. That's I guess you could call that a hate, hateful attack in today's woke world. I have a right to feel that way, but I'm, I'm, I don't remotely think that's what it is. Now, that being said. I wanted to point out that this this process, after he put it out for us to go through this process again, they've turned me down again just to show you guys that and changed it to hateful conduct, which is just such a joke when you're dealing with, at least from my perspective, maybe I'm wrong. I find myself to be the like outwardly constantly trying to be the opposite of what this kind of thing is. You know, even if I feel like I want to be hateful, I don't because I think that's inappropriate. Anyway, you get the point. Oh, and I just want to include older shows just to point this stuff out, just so you know, their own stated discussion about this on Twitter before when they censored me was about medical misinformation and so on. And also, don't forget, as of July 29th, we also pointed out that the CDC's FOIA requested information they were forced to admit or, or reveal exposed that I personally was involved in their targeted censorship on Twitter alongside some gigantic people. They focused on my old account and said, this guy, this account needs to be. And yes, we were censored. And that got exposed in the, in the court, court discovery, where they exposed that I was one of the people they focused on. But yet, it's apparently, because the CDC censored for hateful conduct, right? Here is one T-Lab censored for literally pointing at a peer-reviewed study. And that was what it was cited for, guys. Like, literally, what they cited was the discussion of the liver cell line, which was a peer-reviewed study. I just read what it said. And you weren't allowed to say it on July 13, 2022. But all that being said, oh, of course, I keep doing this to myself. I insert points. I found this to be very strange. Now, I'm not going to jump the gun on this. I Maybe I made a mistake. I had this in my show from the day before yesterday. I don't usually put things I delete in my show, and I don't ever really delete tweets. This is from After Hours Live, which is the current account that we're using, the pirate account, right? So I don't, I don't know what happened to this tweet. I don't delete things unless it's like an, I post it as a typo and I really quickly put it back. I never delete old tweets, and I almost never delete any. I'm, even when they try to force me to, I don't. But yet this is gone all of a sudden. And this was in the show from the other day, and I don't even know what it was. So I just want to point it out. Is this happening? We should ask these questions because I do think there is censorship still happening. I think it's pretty clear, actually, when Garland Nixon just got censored and I'm being turned down. But are they actually just plucking out tweets with no justification? Wouldn't surprise me, to be quite honest. But here we are. Elon Musk, as of yesterday, says, should Twitter offer a general amnesty? Interesting choice of words, wouldn't you say? To suspended accounts, you know, such as myself, Alex Jones, Dr. Mercola, you know, any number of other people. Provided, interesting caveat, that they have not broken the law, which is interestingly becoming pretty subjective today, or engaged in egregious spam, which is the main, what's egregious? What's spam? Now, there are definitions to these words, but let's pretend like we live in a world where those things are maintained as we're altering definitions to meet whatever the current authoritarians say. But if you have broken the law or engaged in egregious spam, who pops to your mind when they say that? And why would that be included if it's just suspended accounts? 
Like, I, I mean, I shouldn't say it like that. I get why that would be included, but he didn't need to state that. He could have put that post out and just let it be stated. But you know what that explicitly includes? Alex Jones. Clearly, right? Now, I'm not saying I agree that he broke the law or so on, because I think he has a right to say whatever, even if you did think he, what he was saying was tasteless and, and, you know, whatever else, or that it was, he, what's the right word for it? Just, you know, that it was in bad taste to speak about these or to call parents out or put them, whatever they say he's doing. Because I agree that he's wildly being misrepresented, even though I've made my opinions clear on the platform and so on. The, the courts, as do made the point in his, his comments with me, the courts see it that way, that he broke the law. So this is an easy way to put out a poll that gets Twitter users to go, yes, bring back the suspended accounts, but then get them to vote yes to not let somebody like Alex Jones back, whether they realize that or not. Now, this is just me reading into it. We could be wrong. Either way, this does translate to saying, well, he did break the law, therefore he won't be included in that. Or maybe they include people that spread misinformation as breaking the law. These things are completely up in the air. Either way, it came across that, you know, I'll show you the results at the end. This was in the midpoint of it. But this person says, <clears throat> well, whatever it decides to do, Twitter should be clear and consistent about its rules and penalties for breaking them, which is not happening right now. It wasn't before. Enforcement should be unbiased. Hold on one second. Had to sneeze. That's like, I think it's the first time it's ever happened. Well, history me. <laughs> enforcement should be unbiased and the mechanisms of enforcement shouldn't be easily abused by people who have an agenda. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to define, but I agree with that statement. Elon Musk responds by says, the more I learn, the worse it gets. The world should know the truth of what has been happening at Twitter. He loves to float these kind of like transparency will earn the trust of the people. I guess hypothetically, should you choose to do that? Is that going to happen? Right. Are you going to reveal the entire breadth of why is that already happening? Give me one second. Excuse me. OK. <clears throat> I mean, that's a, an important question to ask, right? Like I, if he does that, that'd be fantastic. I would love to see him come to the table and say, here's what they were doing. But you know what that includes? The thing we were just referencing with Paskey, Pusaki. The people in the government that are very clearly sticking their fingers in, if not completely at the table of every discussion being had here to show the world the real breadth of what's been going on behind the scenes would be revealing what the government's been doing. I promise you that's not going to happen. Whether or not he wants to, I promise you that's not going to happen. That's my opinion. Again, I shouldn't say promise. I think that quite strongly. And transparency would. But I think we're already past that point. But Patrick chimes in and says, I heard from a primary source that political groups would uh, regularly contact Twitter to de-boost their candidates' de uh, detractors. And Twitter would happily do that. That seems to put the finger on the scale of democracy. Elon says this. This is important. It is objectively the case that, quote, conservative, and I think he put that because that's, you know, people call me conservatives. Who are they perceived to be conservative? Political candidates were not negatively affected or were, excuse me, more negatively affected than, quote, progressive candidates. Anyone using Twitter knows this. The question is simply one of magnitude. Now, I agree with that. I, I actually appreciate that answer because that's the, ultimately what I see as the truth. Look at that. My God. Hello, Ukrainian Nazi. We'll get there in a second. I mean, my God, this is just constant, guys. They're losing the control of the narrative. And it's not just because Elon's in control of Twitter. But the point is, it's always been slanted. I think that's clear. But it hasn't just been one or the other. And they've always tried to play that game. Republicans wanted it to be only the Republicans are being censored. No, there's been plenty of pretty Democrat can't, people getting censored, people in the middle like myself. Right. That's the truth. Now, Tom Fitness chimes in and says, please limit content moderation to illegal content 
or at most a narrow interpretation of moderation under Section 230 and give users the tools that enable the freedom to choose what they co- what content they see. Right. Let's not censor the, you know, put baby ears on the entire platform because one person gets outraged about something you shouldn't care about. Make get, if you don't like it, leave or use your own tools to block it from yourself. That makes much more sense. Right. Because. That shows you the illusion, doesn't it? It's not about protecting you from things. you. Don't, it's about protecting anybody from things they don't want you to see. So they use this as a tool to make that the argument, right? If you just gave people the ability to block things or hide things, which they kind of already have, or I think he means like specific content, then they wouldn't need to see it. Then it would all be good, right? But that's not what they want to stop. They want to stop you from being able to say it to other people. And there's the point controlling what you're allowed to do. And Elon just said, that's the general idea. So illegal content i guess he's suggesting being the main barrier which i certainly agree with if that's really what's happening that if you break the law then obviously if not then you have a right to free speech that's actual free speech but we'll see what happens i just got turned down again alex doesn't seem to even be on the table Disclose tv finally twitter users voted in general in favor of a general amnesty for previously suspended accounts and they interestingly leave out except if you broke the law in their perception or egregiously spammed which I think is the real crux right there. I think the illegal part or the law is just put in to make sure you can be like, well, you guys voted for it. Alex Jones worked law, so we think. But the spam part of it is completely subjective, right? I mean, people say we just, you could say that you post too many times a day or you post the wrong thing. I mean, how do you define spam in the context of Twitter? It's because, I mean, really think about that for a second. But, because I mean, there's all kinds of people that post their program. They post the ads and they get you to buy things. That's actually spam, but that's what Twitter, half of it is. Very interesting. Finally, just thinking about it, as I said in the beginning, what is with these amnesty questions that have popped up almost everywhere lately? Now, I will point out that sometimes this just does actually happen. There are actual coincidences, even though I'm quickly finding them harder and harder to believe, or just, you know, like the zeitgeist, right? Like these things find their way into the context of people's conversations. And then when you're thinking for a word, you grab for the one that just kind of, that does happen. But I kind of don't think that's what this is. Are we being primed for something else? <clears throat> a larger level of amnesty? I'm not even talking about COVID here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Just think about that. Very interesting. Now, let's talk about what's trending on Twitter. Now, remember, we just talked about this. We went through a lot of different shows on this. Three now, I argue, or I think. Ukraine, Poland, false flag, falls apart in real time. As mainstream media toes the line, this was on October, November 16th. And in this show, we were like, very clearly, very clearly, this was a Ukrainian missile. The serial number that Ritter points out, it's on the, it's an S-300. Russia's not firing them. I mean, everything under the sun that you could immediately prove. And I mean, prove. It was easy to say that at the very least, it wasn't Russia. And then you could, basic geography, you could tell that there's pretty much impossible that they were even firing at a Russian missile. All of that's been put to bed already because they don't want to address that clear problem. They just took the low-hanging fruit and be like, oops, it was a mistake. Even though Zelensky's still like, no, it wasn't. And they just moved forward. Now, we followed up on this the next day and made this clear point that, look, the way that this went down was the propaganda pipeline, or rather, as Swiss Policy Restrict called it, the propaganda multiplier, where it's intelligence that says something and half the time or more, it's wrong and they're lying. And it's about propaganda. But they unquestioningly regurgitated. Associated Press did so. And I'll make this even more clear right next. The point was that regardless of, oh, wait, it was a mistake and we were confused. It doesn't matter. It shows you all they ever do is take the next step. If it could go from an, a one person with one anonymous source from Associated Press to every single Western outlet saying Russia did this, I think save for a few. What more do you need to see? 
You think they all checked sources? What sources? Even, and I'll show you next, even the discussion behind the scenes at the Associated Press shows you that they're like, yeah, I mean, we just trust them, don't we? I mean, this is wild if you didn't already know it. Here is what just happened. This is the 21st. Associated Press reporter, the one we're discussing, fired over erroneous story on Russian attack. But nobody else, though, right? Nobody else that did the same thing underneath him or underneath them on and on and on and on. They're all good. But it was his fault because we're supposed to be able to blindly trust them. <laughs> Apparently. Like, right? I mean, okay, if he did this, well, I mean, I'll, it'll make, I should read this first. It's in, my, it's in my head, but not yours yet. Hold on. Journalist, journalist James Laporta is his name. Had provided information for story. That's funny. I love watching these people make typo. I mean, for crying out loud, we make less typos than these people. And we've got me back here, <laughs> right? Scott manages the Substack as the editor. I manage my, the wet, the T lab as the sub, as the editor. That's it. <laughs> How many typos we rarely make. I just think it's hilarious. I just love to relish on them. I, I love that because they've got endless resources. Anyway, journalist James Laporta had provided information for story that inaccurately suggested Russia launched a missile strike on Poland. Great job, guys. Now let's go forward. The port part is James Laporta. The Associated Press on Monday fired a national security reporter who had provided erroneous information about a missile strike in Poland last week that resulted in a widely circulated but inaccurate news alert and story suggesting Russia was responsible for the end. No, 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 not, not suggesting. Saying that they did this, right? Or at the very least, the first reported Associated Press article said Russia did this, says U.S. intelligence. And then everybody underneath it just said Russia did this almost across the board. And the point was, it wasn't uh, a, news, a news alert and then a story. So the news alert came out. Then, in their editorial teams, they decided to publish it as a story. Like, just think about how much goes on in that process. And all they had was an unconfirmed report. And they didn't say that, did they? James Laporta, 35, was terminated. After a brief investigation, people at the news organization confirmed to the Washington Post. They fired him for this, even though this is what always happens. That's also the important part to hear here. Important point to hear in this. Why is he fired for this? Because they caught that it was wrong. Because for some unknown reason, Biden or the White House or whatever, whoever pushed this out first, decided not to let this fly. I mean, think about Bucha. We'll get into Kramas, Kramas, Kramas. God, that, I, I always have a hard time with this word for some reason. Kramastruk, struck, struck. I'm trying to visualize it without looking it up. I'll get to it in a minute. The train station attack that we talked about, right? All these things have been like aggressively shown to be at the very least, not even remotely what Ukraine said. And yet there, no one's fired for that. They haven't even corrected the story. But for some reason, this one, see, people are fired. We change. It doesn't feel honest to me, to be honest, at the very least. Or like I think that Zelensky tried to make this happen they didn't want it to happen and so they put a stop to it and the media didn't get that inside word so they jumped the gun like they always do the only difference here is that somebody inside said i disagree this kind of thing happens every single day that's how these people work that is the propaganda multiplier make sure you don't miss that the associated press issued a news alert stating that an unnamed quote senior u.s intelligence official says Russian missiles crossed into NATO, killing NATO, NATO member Poland, killing two people. That information, I love this part. If they can't even get their corrections right, 
Like the Washington Post, by the way, was also one of these groups that happily reported that Russia did this. But apparently this information was apparently incorrect. Oh, because we're not sure still. You're still taking their word for it. Think about how embarrassing that is. So here's an article pointing out how they took this information without doing their proper due diligence. And then they tell us that it's now incorrect. So now we tell you it's apparently incorrect. It is incorrect. It's, it's been proven to be incorrect, not because Poland and U.S. said so, but because of the evidence and the proof. But Washington Post either doesn't even care about it and they're just towing the next line, like my point, or they just want to muddy the water. So you think, well, it's, they said it was incorrect. No, it is incorrect. You see my point? I love this because this is what the media propaganda multiplier does. They just do their next part. They stand up and say, Russia did it. Washington Post says, Russia did it. Then they come out and go, no, it was a mistake. Then Washington Post comes out and goes, oh, it was a mistake. Apparently it was a mistake. Why wouldn't you then go, wait, maybe it's not a mistake. Maybe now they're got wrong again. Nah, nah. This is the game. Officials in Poland and the European Union later said they believed a single missile fired by Ukrainian forces had gone off course and landed over the border in Poland. You know, ignoring geography and the way the S-300 system works and the radar, you know, all the facts that you can easily point to. Ignoring all that, sure, maybe. But when you factor those things in, it's basically an impossibility that they would, unless we're talking like can barely tie your own shoes and competence and you're aiming in the wrong direction with no radar and you have to make sure you push that they're like the point that Scott Ritter made is the only way to make this fire in that direction when there's no missiles coming from that direction would be to aim the system in the wrong direction, set a radar point in the distance where there's nothing happening and then fire as if because the point is the system would fire looking for the thing it's going to hit and it wouldn't find it. So it would just keep going. There's, that's a choice, guys. And that's what Ritter was so explicit about. They don't care. They're happy to lay it on. Oh, it was a mistake. That's it. We were wrong. We were wrong again. And then we were correcting it the third time. And we're going to leave it on. It was a mistake, despite the evidence. A day later, Associated Press replaced that story, which we caught live on the show, citing an unnamed source with a correction note. It said that the anonymous source, which a great, right? Wait, aren't they supposed to have two sources? Isn't that like the journalistic standard? But this time it was just one anonymous source. But we didn't catch that the first time, right? No, no, we went like we always do through the process, but we got caught this time, so we're pretending like this was a bad process. Nope, this is the normal process. It's just being exposed. Anonymous source, that was wrong. And that, quote, subsequent reporting showed that the missiles were Russian-made. What do you mean subsequent reporting? So other people just said something different? Are we even talking about evidence here? And most likely fired by Ukrainian defense. Not most likely for crying out loud. If you have a serial number, if you have evidence of the materials used that Russia's not using and you can prove based on, I mean, everything we're talking about, these things are not disputable at this point. That's why Poland and everybody else has walked this back. And they're not, they're letting Zelensky just kind of flail in the wind with his arguments. But all they can do is go most likely. Laporta declined to comment. We're going to get into who this is, by the way. That's the important part here. This guy it's not what he seems, in my opinion. A former U.S. Marine who served in Afghanistan. He joined Associated Press in April 2020, right before COVID-19, or rather, you know, in the midst of it. After several years as a freelance reporter, he covered military affairs and <clears throat> national security issues for the news service. Officials at the Associated Press declined to identify Laporta as the source of the alert, except that came out anyway. In a statement, Associated Press spokesperson Lauren Easton said, quote, the rigorous editorial standards... <laughs> Yeah, this is going to be good. The rigorous editorial standards and practices of the Associated Press, which we just saw on display because they're fantastic, right, are critical to the AP's mission 
as independent news organization. Yeah, right, because it's apparently an independent news organization, like we are, <laughs> totally. Now, totally not connected to all the establishment. To ensure our reporting is accurate, fair, and fact-based, we abide by and enforce these standards. But I guess they just didn't that time? Like, I can't even believe they would make the statement when you can prove that they literally just didn't do that. And there's no narrative for why. They just did it. Because, and the point is, this always what they do. It says, including around the use of anonymous sources. When our standards are violated, we must take steps necessary to protect the integrity of the news report. We do not make these decisions lightly, nor are they based on isolated incidents. The point is, you guys use one anonymous source 15 times a day. The only difference and why you're saying this is because you were caught, because it was so thoroughly shown to not be true that you have to come out and be like our process and our fact check based system. Okay, so where did it fail before? Did you not know it was one anonymous source? Well, no, you knew that he said that. Okay, did you did you not? Did you have I mean, there's nothing you can even say there. They took his source. They took him at face value. They reported it like they always do. But now they act like there was some kind of a breakdown in that process or rather that he lied to them. They're laying it at this guy's feet and saying he made the mistake. It's nobody else's fault. Just like with Zelensky in Ukraine. Don't miss that overlap. Internal AP communications viewed by the Post show some confusion and misunderstanding during the preparations of the erroneous report. And this, I argue, wasn't supposed to be seen. That's why they didn't want his name to get out, most likely. But too bad. Now we know his name and we know your internal discussions, which makes this last statement seem pretty stupid in comparison. Laporta shared the U.S. officials tip in an electronic message around 1.30 Eastern time. I, maybe that's because they were trying to keep the, blame it all on him. An editor, an editor immediately asked if AP should use or should issue an alert on his tip. Okay, so right there, where's the process? So this guy steps in and goes, I got a guy that says this is this, this, this Russia. That's my source. He's intelligence. Trust me. Which to him is, this is my new information. I'm intelligence. Trust me. So here, so far, we've got one guy claiming something anonymous that they, he then brings to the table and says, this is what my guy said. Their first reaction is, should we put it out? Should we put this out as a tip? Because that's what they always do. And it says, or would we need confirmation from another source and or Poland? So you need to ask whether you need the standard? Anybody confused so far? No, you don't need two sources because they never need two sources, but you do. They, they claim that's the standard. And it's supposed to be two sources, not anonymous sources. Either way, Poland. Right? Wouldn't you want to ask the country? Because at this moment, they're going, nope, 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 not true. Okay. After further discussion, a second editor said she, quote, would vote for publishing an alert. Okay. So another editor steps in and goes, yeah, let's put it out there if it's up to me. We have no clue if this is accurate. They're always telling us fake information. They're constantly being shown to be wrong. That They know this for crying out loud. We point it out all the time. But let's go and do it. Now, is this because they don't care about the process or because they know their job is to toe the line? You guys can decide for yourself. Adding, quote, and this is the most important part. I can't imagine a U.S. intelligence official would be wrong on this. That's called reverence for these people. They're going, well, they know. They're the experts. Guys, these are the people they're supposed to be questioning. The U.S. government. They're supposed to be speaking truth to power, right? Democracy dies in darkness, right? Well, this is darkness. This is an unaccountable flow of straight-up propaganda into your hands, and they know that. These people are liars. I can't imagine a U.S. intelligence official would be wrong, despite how that constantly happens, despite how you can't prove what he's saying. You just take him at face value, and that's the literal diametric opposite of what you just blatantly stated right up here. 
Okay. You guys get the point. This frustrates me, as you sure you can tell. But a person at the Associated Press familiar with a larger conversation surrounding the story that day said that Laporta also told his editors that a senior manager had already vetted the source. You know, the false information. So now we have an extra part of this. Now, Laporta either lies or doesn't know any better, which is pretty incredible. But he also points out that a senior editor at Washington Post had claimed to vet this and claimed that it was right. You know, the thing we now know is false. So what does that mean? Was the senior editor lying? Were they contacted by somebody in the government that said, do this for national security, even though it's false, a la smith Mont Modernization Act? You guys ask these questions. But either way, this is exploding in their face. This is the propaganda pipeline being exposed from something other, I mean, from the continuation of the story even. But it says, uh, oh, it, it, he it was he said it was vetted by another senior editor, leaving the impression that the story sourcing had been approved. While that editor had signed off on previous stories using Laporta's source. Again, my point, that's the routine. One source, anonymous, without vetting anything other than the fact that U.S. said so, and they run it. So what's different now? They got caught. That's it. The editor had not weighed in on this missile story. Eaton said the organization did not anticipate any discipline for the editors involved. Of course not, right? Because it's not the editor's fault this guy got played. Well, it is, though. You're the editor. This is like the, the, the leader saying, it's not my fault that guy didn't do what I was. Yes, it is. You're the leader. You're in charge. Good leaders don't blame their underlings, do they? The editor's the one that's at fault because you put the paper out. You approved the story. But either way, they're throwing him under the bus and saying he made a mistake, but he didn't, though. He did exactly what he always did. They just got caught. I hope that's about as clear as I can make it, guys. That's crazy. But here's the most important part on top of it all is that this guy served as intelligence. This guy is part of military intelligence, or he was. So a military intelligence guy is blindly trusting a military intelligence guy, and they're just pumping out propaganda. James Laporta, senior correspondent. Senior correspondent. Mr. Laporta is a Marine Corps infantry veteran of the Afghan war, and he also served as an intelligence cell chief. Let's see. I mean, this, this is like the guy operating in Russia with white supremacy group, but he was also working for the DHS like 30 seconds ago, but nothing to see there. Commentary have appeared on his commentary on and in the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Daily Beast, CBS News, CNN, MSNBC, among others. Look at that nonpartisan overlap. Isn't that interesting? Mr. Laporta is a military advisor and technical consultant for the critically acclaimed and Emmy award-winning show. This is us on NBC. What a, that's fantastic. So this guy works on a sitcom and he's supposed to be the one informed. This is, this is, I, I mean, this might as well be CIA as far as I can tell, but I'm, I don't know. Either way, this guy's an intelligence operator. Or he was, who is the one responsible for this and he's just being thrown under the bus. Maybe that was always the plan. I don't know. He also reviewed famous military movies for GQ magazine outstanding that is the propaganda multiplier right there now it continues with something interesting here now this is what i found to be really interesting in what i framed today as the new york times accidentally maybe maybe on purpose exposing a false flag you guys look at it for yourselves and tell me what you think another u.s missile backfires in ukraine thank you tim anderson for pointing this out this is where i saw it first a u.s made missile went astray in ukraine now what's so interesting about this is the timing this is a totally different report. But how much you want to bet most people are going to go, oh, that's Poland. We know that's old, that's old news. We knew that. It was a stray. It was a mistake. We know. They told us already. That's not talking about Poland, guys. This is a different story. 
Now, most people that are, you know, can think for themselves are going to go, well, is that is that the same story? Maybe I should check. It's not. A U.S. made missile went astray in Ukraine, injuring civilians. And we're talking about a Ukraine fired missile. OK, well, oh, so now we're admitting to another one. How many are happening that we don't know about? Now, are we talking about defense missiles? Or are we talking about offensive missiles? Are we do we know it was an accident? Or are they saying it was an accident? I mean, this this is so crazy how often they keep. I mean, I mean, at this point, it is the vast majority of things they've said have been proven to be false. They've been caught lying like we just saw. And yet they unquestioningly parrot what the Ukrainian government keeps saying over and over because this is a propaganda effort. Now, it starts by saying an air launched AGM 88B missile. Oh, and. uh, Oh, I think I closed it. Hold on. I just want to make, oh, it's right here, actually. I want to make sure the date, November 24th, 2022. And this is on the, I always show this just in case people don't think this is the New York Times. I use the app here to make it, because they put a paywall so you can't see it. So what it says is, and there's only a couple, oh, it is the full article, that's right. There's other ones where it gets part of it. Anyway, it says, they built to destroy enemy radars, these type of missiles, the AGM 88B missile, apparently missed its target. Apparently, <laughs> starting out with some sound information, right? I guess that's the assumption because we know that Ukraine wouldn't intentionally do this, right, guys? Like, don't you love their premise where they start with, well, we know this wouldn't happen. So, do we know that? Well, no, we've proven that's not the case. They've been caught targeting their own people, they've been caught doing this over and over and over. But they say, built to destroy enemy radar. So, this is an offensive weapon, by the way. Apparently, missed his target and hit an apartment building. Well, that's interesting. We've heard this before, haven't we? An apartment building in Kramatorsk. That's what it is. I keep putting, I keep misplacing the S in that word. Kramatorsk. If, that, if, I, if that's pronunciated wrong, if pronunciation is wrong, let me know. In September. Okay. So we know we've, we've talked about the Kramatorsk train station. And now we have Ritter as well and other people proving mathematically that there's no way this could have been a Russian missile. And that's when they dropped the story and ran for the hills. Jump to the next argument like they just did with the Poland story. That's how pathetic this is. But yet then stand like they can judge everybody else and they keep getting caught lying or blindly parroting false information. An American-made missile. Of course, that's an important point. Now, why is the New York Times putting this out? Maybe to kind of make it look like these kind of accidents do happen. That's why that was what Poland was. But even though we can prove it's not, Maybe that's what this is. Maybe it's meant to make it look like they're kind of challenging the U.S. government when it's really not, seeing as how everything they're using is a U.S.-made missile. So this is kind of a half-hearted story. But here's what it shows. An American-made missile fired by Ukrainian forces wounded three civilians in eastern Ukraine in September, according to residents and debris recovered from the scene. So why didn't they do that with Bucha or the train station? Because there was just like we see in the rest of them, because they don't want anything you can prove because they want to blame Russia and walk away. According to residents and debris, making a rare instance, that's what they say. Of course, that's not even remotely the case, where U.S.-supplied weapons were linked to civilian casualties. Are you even really saying that, New York Times? A rare instance where U.S. munitions were, you mean other than the entire drone program that continues to murder like 90% plus civilians, as even Obama admitted to? But yeah, a rare instance because we just want to frame it that way. That's how the media works today. They don't, they don't even, I think facts don't even matter to these people anymore. We're linked to civilian casualties in the nine-month-old conflict. Oh, well, in, in any case, the point about the conflict specifically, how many times we've already seen, well, what about the, the current bombing in the middle of Donbass? That's down, Donetsk downtown. 
Those are civilians. They keep getting used. Those are U.S. munitions. They just don't care about any of this. The strike from the AGM-88B high-speed anti-radiation missile, which is fired from a fighter jet, so it's not from the ground. This is a conscious choice, firing from a fighter jet against ground targets like radar and air defense systems. So first of all, that's the first point to remember. We're going to show you where this was. So if there was no likely no Russian air defense systems in that area, then it wouldn't really much make much sense for them to fire a radar-stopping system missile, would it? Spoiler alert, I'm going to prove to you that that's not what was happening at the time. So why would Ukraine be firing something that they claimed it was at a Russian radar system in an area that they controlled? Going forward, they, they claim this happened on September 26th, around 6 p.m., in the eastern Ukrainian city of Kramatorsk. Okay, September 26th, 6 p.m. As Russia's ground war in Ukraine has bogged down, it has kept up a punishingly heavy missile and drone barrage that has destroyed civilian uh, critical civilian infrastructure and killed or wounded many Ukrainian civilians. Well, this is what they're towing. This is what Ukraine has claimed. Now, I don't know. I'm not there. But I do know that Russia said something very different than that, and they barely give it any time in this. They just take what Ukraine says and report it. Now, how often Ukraine continues to be shown to be wrong, why that keeps happening is easy to, is, should baffle everybody. But what we do know is people on the ground actually reporting this stuff, like the many independent journalists doing so, report something quite different. There is definitely missiles flying, and, and it's not just one-sided, where it's like this terrorist bomb campaign coming all from Russia and Ukraine just going, stop! No, they're firing missiles too, but only one side get called terrorists. The point, though, is that it's not exactly what it looks like, and whether they're actually bombing the way they are in Kiev is the real point that I like to point out, because Russia claims that's not ultimately what's happening even when it comes to what they claim they're targeting. But then you can also point out that Ukraine itself is saying that they're, they're turning these things off. Maybe you could argue it's because they had to, but again, why are we trusting these people? It, uh, it says that in response, Ukraine has had to reply heavily, repl rely heavily on defense systems, some of the newly sent from Western allies. You know, the newly ones, the newly sent ones like the old Soviet S-300s, which were sent quietly with an intention to create false flags until they were publicly exposed by the Wall Street Journal. You know, stuff like that. In one case this month, officials from the United States and Poland said that Russian-designed missile that crossed over Ukraine's western border into Polish territory and killed two people was most likely an air defense munition fired by Ukraine in response to a heavy Russian aerial assault. They're still setting this narrative despite the fact that that's been proven not to be the case. Repeatedly. It's, it's logistics. It's easy to point this stuff out, like we said. We can go over that a hundred times. But they'll just keep making it up in the air. We don't know, though. Accident. Let's move forward. Is that how it's supposed to stop? Shouldn't we prove? Or shouldn't there be accountability? People died. If Russia was involved, if they, if they were wanting to use this against Russia, even if they weren't involved, if people died, they would never stop pointing at it. Whether or not it was proved. But see, this they just want to run from. Russian-designed missile or a Soviet-designed missile, that's quite a bit different thing, isn't it? But no, they don't want you to think like that. They want you to think this is the Soviet Union. By New York, but New York Times journalists were able to gather and identify distinct metal fragments left behind at the site of an earlier strike in September in eastern Ukraine, providing the window into where the billions of dollars of United States military aid sent to Ukraine can sometimes land. So they're claiming they proved with with. Metal, which is almost always left behind by these, but is my point. They just don't look for it when they don't want to, or they don't regard it when it's there, like they didn't with the S-300s on November, or, yeah, the 15th when that first started, when we were pointing out it the day it started, or the 16th, and saying, see, it's, and, anyway, 
I can go off on this forever. The same serial number and so, and so on. But they're saying that they found material. So this means that they say this is definitely a Ukraine anti-radar missile, or whatever they're calling it, the AGM-88B high-speed anti-radiation missile. And they proved that, they say. So that means Ukraine fired this from the air in a jet, and it just went awry, they claim. Which I don't know why you would just say that when you can't prove that, because they say so, but the Ukraine's not even really chiming in with this. This is just their story. They're talking to people on the ground who say, yeah, this was Ukraine, and all they do is go, it must have been a mistake. I mean, I'm not making that up, guys. This is actual, This is the kind of objective journalism you get from the corporate media, right? And I meant, I'm joking when I say objective. The intended target of the AGM-88 that, stuck the, that struck the apartment building in Kramatorsk is unclear. So you don't even know what they're aiming at, but you're giving them a pass and saying, must have been a mistake. But it is, it is possible that it was unable to find an enemy radar. Like, think about what it takes for the New York Times to sit back and grasp at the unknown and say, well, it could have been this. Maybe they tripped when they were firing and hit the wrong button. It could have been anything. Or maybe they aimed at it because they do that. But that's off the table. This is the objective journalism, right? My God. But it's possible it was unable to find the enemy radar and struck the apartment building after it ran out of fuel. Sure, anything's possible. The missile will keep flying if it misses the original target and look for other enemy radar targets. The Pentagon has long dipped into aging stocks of equipment to supply Kiev. Sometimes leaving Ukrainian forces troops, Ukraine, Ukrainian forces troops. Oh my God, see? How ridiculous. <laughs> this is so stupid. I love when that happens, though. I always make sure I'm not reading it too fast. Leaving Ukrainian forces troops. Well, you, I guess you could make that, even though that should be an apostrophe if that was going to be plural. In any case, I don't want to di- fixate. I love it, though. You guys suck. But so, <laughs> leaving Ukrainian forces troops with worn down material. An American officer who spoke on the condition of anonymity. Oh, here we go again. So right back in the swing of things, this New York Times doing the same thing they just claimed was it was a mistake and we didn't realize. No, you did, though, because here it is. Everybody's doing it. An American officer has spoken the condition of anonymity because he was not authorized to speak. So it's okay that he's breaking the law. Right. So it's national security, but he quietly did it. Wink, wink. And we don't even that's not how that works. This is how they 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 probably well know who it is. And it's more about making it look like they didn't break those rules or rather only one guy did. But we don't know who he is. We can't hold him accountable. No, this is the government going, say this. That's what it is. Added that the AGM-88B that struck the apartment in, in Kramastrok almost certainly, Kramatorsk, almost certainly came from an old surplus stocks. Yeah, like the S-300s or the other ones they have, the old Soviet-era weaponry that you guys sent already. We already know all of this, as it has been replaced by newer models and services with American forces. The missile is just one munition. Anyway, that's the bottom line. Okay, so there's many points in there we can patch together here. So first of all, we're saying that they know that they said they proved this with material on the ground, right? And that they said that they were that it's a anti-radiation radar missile that would be aimed at those systems fired from a jet. Right? So it wouldn't make much sense if Ukraine was in control of the territory, would it? Because Russia wouldn't have any systems in Ukraine controlled territory. Well, okay. So we're talking about September 26th. Well, let's look at the timeline. This is Wikipedia. The city of Kramatorsk in Donetsk on blast came under the control of a, the breakaway Donetsk People's Republic, Russian, Russian-backed people, on April 12th. April 12th. But then the DPR army units withdrew from the city on July 5th, allowing Ukrainian forces to subsequently recapture the city, ending the standoff. Okay. 
Here's the current breakdown. We'll come back to this in a second. You can just see that's right where we're talking about, where the arrow is, the white being Ukrainian-controlled territory. Here is a report from some of these, you know, pro-Ukraine outlets from September 26th. And by the way, you could find this all over the corporate medium. I'll show you in a second. Russians shelled the center of Kramatorsk. Several people wounded. Now, what was the other story? Remember, they said three people wounded, one died, right? We'll see what this says. On September 26th, I mean, just this is the same location, guys, what we're talking about. On September 26th, Russian invaders shelled the center of this of the Kramatorsk area. Right. At a time right now, September 26th, when we know that it's Ukraine controlled territory. Right. So just remember that, because, yes, it would make sense that Russia might be bombing into that area. But you could also argue that it's there must be. I mean, why they would be bombing away from the front line is a question you should ask. But there's plenty of reasons that would make sense. But it says, as a result of which four people were wounded, one of them in critical condition. This is the story, guys. One person later died, which is what happened. So three were wounded, one person died. Okay, so what they're saying now is we just proved, the New York Times just proved this was Ukraine. Saying Ukraine did this, and we found out because we just did a research, and we saw, we found the missile piece, and we now we can prove it's theirs. U.S. made, and it was probably an accident, probably. We don't know that for sure, though. Okay. So then why does this outlet without any evidence say Russia did it on September 26th, the day they said this happened with the same result, four people wounded, one of them later died. Oh, well, because it's the source of it is the mayor of Kramastork or rather the mayor of the Ukraine controlled area who posted it on Facebook because that's sound, right? That's it. It's this post showing you the same building saying, yeah, that was they, Russia bombed it. Here's another one. Same building, same day. You Russian invaders have again opened fire on the area in Kramatorsk. Four civilians are reported injured, one of them critically. It's the same exact point. Same story, same source coming from Ukraine. Here's Kramatorsk Post, September 26th, same building. Four people wounded, one of them critically wounded. One of, they later died, claiming Russians have attacked the area. Okay. So the real point here, guys, that's not what happened. Okay, we know... Well, first of all, before we even get into that, I mean, we, the point's already on the table, but the idea that why everybody can just go along with this, despite the fact that they keep getting shown to be wrong, lying, really, they keep lying. They keep getting caught lying about what they say. Oh, they just did this in Kiev. Oh, wait a minute. That's actually a video of Lebanon, right? Nobody talks about that. Oh, it goes to Kiev as a complete fabrication. Oh, they're not raping Russian children, not raping, raping Ukrainian children. She lied about that for support, and they all did it, and she got fired for it. Oh, they're not giving them Viagra. That was a false story. How many times? My point is, I think most everybody's like, yeah, we're not buying this anymore. They just project it as if people are buying it, and people that don't know that think that's what's happening. That's a minority, in my opinion, today, but they project that out as the majority. We need to stand up to that. But the point here is that if New York Times is saying this, we've now discovered that this bombing on September 26th at this same apartment building in the same location, which we've established was clearly or is at the time and is clearly now and was then under the control of Ukraine since July, then how in the world is Ukraine going to be bombing Russian defense systems with, a, with, an, with an airstrike? Like, there's no way to misunderstand this. This is the that's the spot right there. I have it on the map up behind me, but the point is this is good enough. You guys can see it. The reality is this is either a, a direct attack that was blamed on Russia, like an accident, or this was an intentional attack. 
that they they chose to blame on Russia because it was a false flag. I mean, there's just really no way around this. The story does not add up. Now, here's an example of May 5th, right? So May 5th, this is the time, and this is kind of a counterbalance point. This is at a time when Russia was in control of this area, right? After April, uh, what was it? April 12th, Russian forces controlled this, specifically DPR forces. But then after July 5th, they, when they retreated, okay, so May 5th, Russia was in control of this area. And now we're going to pretend that Russia bombs its own area? You see my point? Like, no, people outside of Ukraine, and this is how the reporting has gone the entire time. Just just say what they want. Russia did it. They, Ukraine said Russia did it. You know, because look, Ukraine, this is Ukrainian people in the source material who are saying this. Ukrainian news outlet said, this is how this goes. Now, is it possible they bombed their own area to blame it on Ukraine? Sure. But nobody can prove that, and the evidence doesn't make sense with why they would do that. But regardless, we are proving that Ukraine very clearly just did bomb, or rather in September, bomb inside of Kramastork at an area where they had control of. There's no disputing that. Now we can go in September 7th, leading up to September 26th, which is when that happened, right? But we know at this point that uh, that Ukraine was in control of this post-July. So this right here could be Russians firing on this area and could be targeting these areas. But my point to showing you these is how me continues to be pointed out. Hospital in Kramatorsk hit by Russian attack. Was it? How do we know that? Because the only source we have is Ukrainian forces on the ground. Same point here. September 22nd. Russia strikes enterprise in this area. Did they? We don't know that because they keep lying. For all we know, it's exactly like they just got caught here for doing. Exactly like they got caught for here for doing. Claiming that it's them, but it's not. My point is that it very well could have been Russia because at this point it makes sense. Because Russia's not in control of the area. They are, and it could be happening. It's possible. But before that, they already got caught lying about this to blame it on Russia. So why would we believe this? Or this one? Or this one? September 29th. Russian forces attack the area, injuring 11 civilians. My point is, guys, that nothing should be taken at face value. But we can prove at this point that they just got caught blaming that old story on Russia. And all the media followed suit saying they bombed this building. And at the time, that's what was reported. Russia's bombing civilian locations. Even though when they reported this, it was under the control of Ukraine. I made this point right in the beginning about the very first maternity hospital, whatever they pointed at. That was something they lied about right in the beginning. I just played you the clip of the Mariana woman who came out and said they, they just took me out of context. That's not even what I said. It never ends. And the point after all of that, right, after their whatever their purpose was with that New York Times article, clearly they didn't intend to kind of expose the timeline right there. Or maybe just, to, I mean, and here's the point, guys. That's not, I mean, that's just me. That's just taking the time to connect the dots and looking at the, okay, what happened on September 26th? Where was it? What was happening then? Let me find the archive. Look at the archive, the Wayback Machine, and find the old post. And then you quickly look at it, and it just doesn't add up. There's no way it could be what they're saying. Now, there's other possible explanations, I guess, but what they're saying isn't true. And now the European Parliament declares Russia a terrorist state. That did just happen. The entire country of Russia is now a terrorist state. Because they said so, apparently. This is the European Parliament. After what just happened, after we know that Ukraine's been caught committing cr crimes against humanity over and over, and even they were reporting that before the Russian invasion. But they're a terrorist state. Like, that's going to de-escalate things? 
Like all this does is give them the blatant excuse to say, we won't even talk to them anymore. They're terrorists. We don't deal with terrorists. That's how that works. But they still want peace, though. They want to de-escalate. No, everything they're doing is about ramping this up. Now we have the argument about most Ukrainians left without power after new Russian strikes. Now, it's very clear that Russia is striking. But really, guys, we need to ask if any of this is being reported correctly from any side at all. And I mean, that should just be common, common sense today. The point, though, is that Russia claims that's not exactly what's happening. They claim it's ubiquitous and everywhere. As usual, it's probably somewhere in the middle. But these are the points that stood out to me. Russia unleashes a new missile onslaught on Ukraine's battered energy grid Wednesday, robbing cities of power and some of some of water and public transport, too, compounding the hardship of mil- winter for millions. The aerial mauling of power supplies also took nuclear plants and Internet links offline and spilled blackouts into neighbor Moldova. Now, this is what's interesting. Took that, that the way you read that makes it sound like their actions took, and this they, they will argue that, but you're going to see them say right in this that they were bombing and they took them offline. Ukraine's energy minister said supplies were cut to quote the vast majority of electricity consumers. Now, I'm talking about the next article that is the same quote, but they, of course, they only frame it in a way that you can misinterpret as they did that, they cut the line. No, we'll show you, they're telling you this, we did this. Because of X, Y, and Z. Now, you could argue they had to. That is a fair point. Could be. Because it could have caused an explosion, you know, after effect. But that's not fair framing, is it? To say that they did when they're the ones that made these choices. Just like before, when... I forget what example that was, where they... There's a cyber attack, and then the story was that Russia shut everything down. And it turned out the company was like, no, no, we shut it down just to be safe. And that, that was the quiet part that never got spoken. Addressing it later on Wednesday, Zelensky said that Ukraine will put forward a resolution condemning any form of energy terror. Any form of energy terror. Right, okay, but except when the U.S. does it for freedom, though, right? Of course, of course, that's always the caveat. Referring to Russia's likely veto, he said, I love this extreme hypocrisy, it's nonsense that the veto right is secured for the party that wages this war, this criminal war, says the guy who shouldn't even be at this table. But the point is, you know where else that happens? In every single possible chance, the U.S. government and Israel stand up and use their veto to stop what everybody else wants to do. You know, like declaring, I mean, I could go off forever. So it's bad when they do it, but it's okay when we do it. That, that should be tattooed on their foreheads. They veto stuff all the time that they're literally the only ones. Like they just voted about the blockade in Cuba and everybody else disagrees but them. Doesn't matter though, still going to happen. See my point? These guys are hypocrites. Even isn't that, that's not it doesn't have to be completely separate from the idea that Russia's capable of bad things like any government is, and that you should question them and look at them through the same lens. Right? It's not always one or the other. We cannot be hostage to one international terrorist. Right. So already towing the line. Right? We vote now they're terrorists. We're gonna keep calling them. We're gonna call them that. And now we're gonna act like we can't be doing the they can't be allowed to do this, the terrorists. We can't work with them. It's already coming across. Russia has been pounding the power grid and other facilities with missiles and exploding drones for weeks. They love putting it out there because that's supposed to be shocking. The thing, the terrorists, the the Iranian drones, exactly like you're using, though. (laughs) But we don't include that. Wrecking damage faster than it can be repaired. Wreaking, wrecking, wrecking. Ukrainian officials believe Russian uh, Putin is hoping that the misery of unheated and unit unlit homes in winters cold and dark will turn public opinion against the continuation of the war. Oh, at what part did we jump into a novel here where we just give our opinions and the state of this fact? Oh, I guess the entire time. So 
you're now telling us that you know that Putin is hoping this. Great journalism. So Putin hopes that we feel misery. And he hopes that you have the unheated and dangerous. Right. Okay. So is any of that proven? No, of course not. How could you ever prove what Putin thinks and feels and hopes for? But on top of that, he says something different. And in fact, says that's not even exactly what's happening. They're not even bombing all the places that they're saying. But somehow it translates into the emotional ploy. You know, you can even hear the violin playing in the background. And, oh, they, he hopes to make you cry. He wants you to feel so sad that you want to take your own life. Like this stuff like this. What? How is this Associated Press? But say it's instead strengthening or carrying resolve. That's what the point is. So you can, that point is meant to be, they want Russia to hear, you're not hurting us. We're resolve is strengthened. I mean, this is just propaganda for one side, as always. Well, turn public opinion against the continuation of war. The people of Ukraine don't want the continuation of war. That's a lie. And even the people you frame as your side say that. But these propagandists do. They how sure as hell want more war. But an interesting point is that they also don't point out how what they're doing overseas and to you right now is the same thing. That's what that's what sanctions are meant to do. Make people desperate so they just turn on their own people. Russian UN ambassador Nebenzia told the Secretary Council, Security Council that Moscow is carrying out, quote, this is the only thing they quote from the entire thing they said as always out of context, is carrying out, quote, strikes against infrastructure in response to the unbridled flow of weapons to Ukraine and the reckless appeals of Kiev to defeat, defeat Russia. But even that makes sense in a war, doesn't it? Like they want to make this, this emotional cry about how what they're doing is starting. Guys, that, that's, tor- that's terrible. When Ukraine bombs something, is that completely devoid of any possible negative outcome? Is, is when you when Ukraine carries out an ethnic cleansing campaign in Donbass, are people not dying? When they assassinate somebody in Moscow, is that person not being killed? Like the idea that their strikes that are targeted at strategic infrastructure that they need to fight back is somehow off limits is just completely disconnected from one, literally every example of U.S. foreign policy endeavors and just the reality of war. I'm not saying I support any of it, but that's just how that's, I mean, it's silly. It's like saying they bombed our missile system. What terrorists? Well, yeah, because you're using it to fight and you're both doing so. You see my point? I mean, it's just this childish framework. But the, uh, the point is strikes against infrastructure in response to the unbridled flow of weapons. Well, so what, what they're actually saying, I'll show you next, is that they're, they're targeting infrastructure that allows them to continue to ship in weapons. That doesn't seem to sound like energy infrastructure, but it could be. And I would argue that if Kiev was doing so and didn't want you to know about I mean, excuse me, if Russia was doing so and didn't want you to know about it, well, they would lie about it. So that could be a lie. <laughs> it's not hard to point that out. But it says late Wednesday and well after dark, the deputy head of Ukraine's presidential office said that Kiev in over a dozen regions, including Lviv and, and Odessa in the south, have been reconnected to the power grid. Okay, well, that doesn't make a lot of sense, seeing as how right now you're seeing all these emotional ploys and posts along Twitter showing a dark Ukraine across the board, oddly including Donbass and and, and the Donbass region, which doesn't make sense, except that, you know, the point is that this is just a game. They just told you they got they already brought power back to Kiev, a dozen other regions, leave Odessa on Wednesday. Now, I'm not saying that the point is that's not what we're being told now. They're right now reporting this as the entire country is pitch black and it's all over. Well, it's not what it says right there. 
Quote, we cannot trust a regime that leaves us in the dark and cold, that intentionally kills people, as opposed to accidentally. I guess every life that's been taken over war in the U.S. has all been by accident, right? We didn't mean to kill your troops, but we accidentally did. Okay, so apparently only Russia in the world kills people intentionally out of a simple desire to keep other people's in poverty and humiliation. Again, don't you love the objective perspective that apparently he knows Putin wants people in poverty and humiliation? It's a game, and these people are ridiculous. Like, I don't know why they don't suddenly realize how stupid they look by continuing to push objective points. Quote, he has decided. Right, because they know. Because they're in Putin's inner circle. Did he write you a memo? He decided that if he can't seize Ukraine by force, because apparently that's what he wants to do, even though he has, uh, has, has opportunities this whole time and chose not to, he will try to freeze the country into submission. Because that's what they're doing, right? Because we know that. The onslaught followed an overnight Russian rocket attack in the town of Vilnitsk, uh, uh, maybe, close to the city of Zaporozhia in the, the southern Ukraine, or Zaporozhia. That, uh, that, is it Zaporozhia plant, and then maybe that's just Zaporozhia the same? That destroyed a hospital maternity ward, they said. Interesting. Now here, let's go back to the map real quick. Zaporozhia, right over here is still in the control under Russian forces, right? Okay. So it says, their Russian attack in the town of, uh, close to the city of Zaporozhia, destroyed a hospital attorney ward, killing a two-year-old baby newborn and critically injuring a doctor. You know why they know this? Because Ukraine told them. The mayor of the area said so. Literally, that's the only thing they have. But apparently, they have, they've learned their lesson. Right. We just learned our lesson. We put an entire correction that says we, we went through our process and we realized that we trust the wrong guy. And here we are again. Clearly haven't learned that lesson. The point is they don't care about that lesson. The lesson was a lie. Right in front of you, they're taking one person's word about what happened and blindly reporting that as fact, just like they always do. The point here is on top of this, the idea of whether or not that's in the Russian controlled area which wouldn't make much sense, would it, for Russia to be bombing their own territory? But then on top of that, guess what they say? The first S-300 rocket. I'm not even making this up, guys. The first S-300 rocket hit the road. The second rocket hit this place. You know, the maternity ward. The main general hospital at the maternity wing. They just, they can't, they just have old material. Quote, one woman gave birth two days ago. She delivered a boy. Unfortunately, this rocket took his life. Who lived only two days. You know, the S-300 that Russia doesn't use. The S-300 that we literally just fought to show you guys was what happened in Poland. The S-300 systems that were secretly shipped into Ukraine because of the U.S. government, as the Wall Street Journal pointed out. Okay, so now we just went through this whole process of exposing the fact that Russia, as a, even according to Biden himself, are not using those. So now we're just going to jump right back in? Are we going to pretend that Russia fired that in, in their own territory to blame themselves? Certainly possible. Or could it be that they were trying to stop a Russian or a Ukrainian missile and the S-300 went awry? No, that actually would make sense logistically. But I don't buy any of that. At the very least, recognize how silly it is for them to not know, but give them the pass and say it was probably a mistake. But in this case, they know, well, for sure, the thing they're not using. And if they maybe accidentally you, I mean, you can't even make sense of this without laughing about how willfully these Ukrainian people are lying, the government. And yet they don't even understand their narrative is already lost. How do you explain this? And how is AP reporting that? 
One, I mean, this is the mayor of the area saying they used S-300s. On Twitter, Ukraine's first lady wrote, horrible pain. We will never forget and never forgive. Right, because that's just going, be upset. They're hurting people. Be outraged with no facts to back it up. Oh, my God, guys. S-300s, still happening. And you know who we can prove are using S-300s right now? Ukraine. Prove. So, again, I mean, actually, one step further. How is it possible that we just went over this with, with the entire story of Poland, where it was admitted that they shot the S-300 to shoot down Russian missiles and accidentally hit their own territory, or rather, Poland? And in this case, we can't factor in that might have been possible, that maybe it was a Ukrainian S-300 that went awry, went the wrong way. Nope, not even mentioned. Has to be Russia because that's what they said. Nobody buys this anymore, guys. They've lost everybody with how willfully dishonest they've been. But here's just the other. This is Bloomberg. Russia knocks out power for millions amid freeze. A barrage of Russian missile strikes against Ukrainian energy facilities prompted the country's power grid operator to halt three nuclear power plants and enact energy blackouts. Enact energy blackouts amid below zero temperatures. Right, because it makes more sense to pull people's power just in case when you have a situation where you, I mean, right now the argument goes, and I think this will be proven, Russia is not bombing these nuclear power plants. Certainly possible. My gut would tell me, based on the facts as well, that seems ridiculous, based on what's already happened. Even when they were, even when Ukraine was occupying Zaporozhye, you, um, Putin was not bombing the plant itself. Even they were forced to admit that. So here we have a situation where Ukraine, Russia is, and I'll show you what they say next, bombing these areas to stop them from flowing weapons into the area. That's what they say. And they turn off their own power, their own power plants, enact their own emergency blackouts during below zero temperatures, and then blame anything that happens on Russia. Quote, energy terror continues. It sure does. You're terrorizing your own people, it seems. Now, let's not forget Global research, global research, U.S. is pushing Venezuela to the brink by attacking its power grid. But it's, it's okay, it's good then, right? Because that's for freedom. Got it. Okay, here's New York Times. U.S. escalates online attacks on Russia's power grid. These are openly stated discussions, but it's okay when they do it against bad guys, though. But aren't there civilians in those areas, too? Right, this is rudimentary, guys. Here's Russia without Russians with attitude pointing out, thinking about how Ukraine on this very day, seven years ago, destroyed part of the electrical grid to start an energy blockade of Crimea. This is public information out of spite. And a lot of people in, in Lviv and, and, and Kiev posted funny memes and had a time of their life revealing the situation. Right. Acting like it was funny that this was happening. Nobody cares about that? Oh, okay, let's move on, right? No, no big deal there, because these guys were, you know, I mean, you, there's so much flying around right now. You got like an old BBC thing somebody shared with me showing the Azov movement on, in 2018, doing similar things to people's, I mean, it's just these people are obviously the extremists they're pretending everybody else are, and that's what they always do. They funded them in, in Syria. They funded them in Afghanistan. They fund them everywhere. They, you saw who they funded in Venezuela. They got caught trying to false flag that, that truck. It was blatantly caught, and they just moved forward. I mean, blat we know for sure because of an MIT study that Evo Morales did win that election, and they did use a military junta to force him out. Everybody sees this stuff, guys. It's over. They've lost that control of that narrative, but it doesn't mean they can't win it back. They've done it before. 
RT, Moscow explains its Ukraine objectives to the UN. All right, so this is what they said at this table. It's funny how the rest of the media never gives you the pool. I mean, you, you could, at the very least, say that you don't agree with them, but to not give the full picture of what they say, but give 14 paragraphs of what Zelensky says, even though we only spoke for one sentence, is ridiculous. It says the Russian military is using precision weapons against Ukraine's infrastructure. By the way, I'm not implying that's what Zelensky did here. That's what happens a lot. Uh, precision weapons against Ukraine's infrastructure to disrupt the flow of weapons. The U.S. and its allies are funneling to Kiev with the aim of prolonging the conflict. Now, that doesn't seem to suggest that they're bombing Kiev. Russia's been on the record in saying that they aren't, but I don't know. They could obviously lie about that. And if they had an interest in hiding it, they would. Make sure this isn't something different. Yeah, no, this is the same story. This is I just saw this on the sideline. U.S. supplied missile hits Ukrainian home, it says, which is interesting. I'm going to come back to that. Not today, but you know the point being that this was talking about hitting a. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. That is the right one because it's a home, but it was an apartment building. So same difference. OK, sorry, sorry for the distraction. Back to this. It says. And it's according to the uh, U.N. envoy for Russia. He said this yesterday, addressing an extraordinary session of the U.N. Security Council, which, by the way, was called together because of what just happened, because of the bombing in Ukraine. Right. So Zelensky literally calls together a Security Council meeting because people are bombing in a war. Think about how dumb that is. But everybody runs together and Russia, bad guy, called over the collapse of the power grid in Ukraine. You know, the collapse, otherwise known as them shutting it down because they said that they I don't even know explanation. They said there's bombing happening and they they said they shut down three power plants and and cut emergency or emergency style cut the power. That's what it says. Not exactly. Hold on. Make sure it's exactly what it says. Right here or no, this one, it says enacted emergency blackouts. But you can't say enact emergency blackouts and act like that was something everybody else did. You enacted blackouts. You halted three nuclear power plants. Again, it could be because of what the bombing did was putting those things at risk, maybe risking something exploding. I mean, that would make sense. The point, though, is you can't deny that they shut the power down. It says they called over the collapse of the power grid uh, and said that Russian missile strikes are aimed at disrupting the delivery of weapons and supplies from the West to Ukraine, which would be a valid. I mean, look, just to be clear, targeting infrastructure during a war that they're utilizing to fight is absolutely on the table in the context of war. Not saying I agree with that, but that's what they, in the, you know, the, what would you say, the the framework of how wars work, operate, even though none of those need to follow it, is supposed to mean the idea being that that's how that goes. So the fact that they're making it out to be something that is not, is the same point I made before. How dare they target this, which we do everywhere we go. They're saying they're doing it just to stop the NATO proxy war, essentially. Moscow is not targeting civilian residences, they say. Claim that the regrettable damage to the residential areas is often caused by, guess what? Ukrainian air defenses deployed in populated areas. Right. So that means that they're claiming. And and, I mean, here's what's crazy. This literally adds up with what the New York Times just said, what the Washington Post just was forced to say, what everybody was forced to say about Poland, that Russia is firing not at the civilian areas, but somewhere over that. And Ukraine fires over civilian areas to hit it, either misses and hits their own territory, stops it, and all that shrapnel falls over civilian areas. But the missile was not aimed at those civilian areas. But specifically, as they claim, 
precision weapons aimed at their infrastructure or rather things that would help them from delivering weapons and so on. As a result, missile debris or Ukrainian rockets have gone astray and hit objects in Russia or that Russia did not even aim at. I mean, who does? How do you deny that when that's what you they just admitted in their fact check story of their own information? You can't now say that's fake news when that's literally what you were just forced to admit. Pointing to the photos down here with this, that were shared yesterday by Ukrainians on the ground themselves, showing U.S. supplied rocket materials, not Russian materials, but U.S. supplied Russian materials, showing you allegedly showing fragments of U.S. supplied rockets found in their damaged homes in Kiev and nearby. Now, what's interesting is I, th- I believe we're talking about the S-300 systems. Right, which aren't Russian, they're Soviet era systems that Russia does utilize, but so does other people. But the point is that the U.S. supplied these to Ukraine. That's on the record. Now, I'm not sure if that's what they're implying. Either way, this story is pretty clear. And it says, your reckless flow of weapons to Ukraine has caused these deaths. Now, isn't that the same logic of saying that you're, because you're the one illegally involved in this war, that therefore everything that happens, even if it's our fault, is your fault? It's funny how logic only works one way with these people. What they're saying is, well, you're flooding all these weapons into these people. So when they fire them and miss, it's there. It's your fault. That would make sense. At least culpability is there. He noted the hysterical and fully mendacious statements coming from Kiev about the November 5th incident in Poland when a Ukrainian S-300 missile killed two villagers. Yet Westerners and even the UN officials continue at this point, as I keep pointing out, to uncritically repeat Ukrainian allegations without evidence. There's no making sense of that. They're making a conscious choice to trust them because they're on their side. There's no effort to be objective here. They keep getting caught lying and they keep standing by them because they're on the same side. They're doing the same. I argue they're underneath them. This is a U.S. agenda, in my opinion, on what's going on on the ground, or rather predominantly, but larger than U.S. agenda this day, these days. One of Moscow's objectives is to degrade the threat of Ukrainian military poses to Russia, and it will be pursued until Kiev adopts a more reasonable position rather than the current language of threats and ultimatums. I mean, who's, I mean, they're on the record with this stuff. They're the ones continuing to create situations that cause this. It makes perfect sense. Wednesday's meeting featured a video statement by Ukrainian, by Zelensky, accusing Russia of being a terrorist state. That's the point. So we're going to have rational dialogue about the escalation while you're just saying terrorist. Right. And of course, they point out that him doing so violated the Security Council protocols. Because they did. But nobody cares because they're on their side. Zelensky was followed by a U.S. ambassador, Linda Thomas-Greenfield, who accused Russian President Vladimir Putin of, quote, clearly, clearly weaponizing winter. Is that what's happening? Are we factoring in whether Ukraine's doing this in part to their own people to blame them? Are we factoring in whether they shut it down themselves because of something else? Are we factoring in whether that's even what they're aiming at? No, but it doesn't matter. Ukraine said, so that must be fact. So therefore, you're clearly doing what they just told me. That's what that translates to. And trying to, and it could be true. She doesn't know that. And trying to freeze into submission Ukrainians, right? You know, or like starve or, or like, I mean, you could look at Yemen. You could look at Syria. You could look at all these locations where the U.S. government is currently using those tactics right now. What do you think they did to Syria during the winter? Right? Which, or they continue to, you know, with the oil. These people use oil to heat their families, heat their homes, to eat their, to cook their food. They knew that. They did that intentionally. This was all talked about, but it only matters when you could point at them and claim they're doing it. The U.S. will continue to stand with Ukraine, it says, for as long as it takes. Is that what the American people want? They don't care. As Kiev 
fights to defend its freedom and sovereignty and its democracy. Right, because it's democracy that's running their country. I mean, that's just ridiculous as we have like, as the U.S. is clearly involved, as we're talking about defending freedom and sovereignty, as what you're doing is exactly the opposite as you fail to recognize the Donbass and their open discussions of their own freedom. I mean, it's just pathetic how hypocritical these people are. The Russian envoy also pointed out that the U.N. has looked the other way while Ukraine shelled the Zaporozhye nuclear power plant. Yeah, you can't miss that. They even openly pointed that out. And even tried to blame Moscow for it at the beginning. Remember that? They kept pretending that was happening. And they got proven that they weren't in control. I mean, this just keeps happening over and over. Of course, even the UN spoke up and said they're deeply concerned about those bombings, but weirdly failed to point out who was doing it because they, they know they can't point at Ukraine. I mean, this is so transparent. Here's Hafeen Masi pointing out, or Hassan Mafi pointing out, how come when the US illegally invaded Iraq based on weapons of mass destruction lies, slaughtered a million Iraqis, half a million, and bombed Iraq's civilian infrastructure. Nobody said anything about war crimes and punishment. They yelled freedom, I guess. Is that what happened? No, clearly not. But they meant to do that, right? So what's different than Russia saying they mean to do that? Perspective. Subjective opinion. That's it. People like Emmanuel Macron acting like they have some kind of moral authority over you even though they're the worst people alive, it seems. Ukraine suffered massive shelling today. This was on the 24th. This is today. Leaving much of the country without water or electricity. Strikes against civilian infrastructures are war crimes and cannot go unpunished. Except that's ridiculously always what happens. I mean, do you not realize that right now they are literally stealing wheat and oil from Syria right, right, and, and, and continue to bomb infrastructure or continue to do so during the Syrian war? Or right now, like right as of now today, they're doing so in on all... I mean, talk about Palestine. Right. How about we talk about any how about Yemen, for example, where they are currently and continuing to bomb every type of infrastructure they have, bombing their water plants, bombing their wheat for everything. I mean, they're not even denying this. Saudi Arabia proudly talks about this, which is completely aside. I mean, everything about this is disgustingly hypocritical. And this person and then uh, Gregory made a great point. Why was that typed in English? He is the French president, isn't he? Good, great point. Here's the tweet. And I said, sort of like how white helmets jackets have logos and text all in English, you know, because they're the civil defense fund of Syria. That makes sense, right? No, it's because they're propaganda group aimed at propagandizing you. The Syrians know well, all too clear what those terrorist groups are. Because, I mean, think about how dumb it is that there is already a civil defense front, uh, group before this, that were called the White Helmets. Before, they, that, they, before the White Helmets, the fake group were created by propaganda groups like James Lemizier. And they're still there. And yet they don't care about that. And all the White Helmets things are in English and it's pr- pr- focused on outward things. It's, it, they don't care about the Syrian people. This just keeps coming back. But that's the same point. But here's the tweet in English. And it says, Ukraine suffered mass violence right there. There's no French. So who's he aiming this at? Why would you need to propagandize the American people from the French president? Because we're all being manipulated. I mean, that's a great point. Either way, how do you fact, how do you rectify these two problems? What about Afghanistan? What about Libya? What about any other location where they were grossly destroyed because of what the U.S. government claimed they were trying to accomplish? Where are the war crimes tribunals? Where is the punishment for that? Well, here is what they're allowing in the fight for freedom in Ukraine. 
Professor Marcelo uh, Fernanda Danoli points out, and he's from the, uh, he, well, he's a, a PhD, but you could, he's the research fellow, Harvard Medical, so on. With sincere condolences to parents, spouses, and children of all victims of these dreadful war crimes, I have established new evidence to provide UN human rights bodies. Note, EU NATO's proxy war in Ukraine against ethnic Russians in Donbass started in 2014. Here they are with their blue armbands committing war crimes. A war crime, and guys, this is coming out from all over the place. I mean, we got a PhD from Harvard now breaking down war crimes in Ukraine. But apparently the Associated Press, the Wall Street Journal, and the, or excuse me, and the Washington Post and New York Times just can't figure it out. Or, you know, they're blinding themselves to it because they're hypocrites. A war crime is a violation of the laws of war that gives rise to individual criminal responsibility for actions by combatants in action, such as the intentional killing of civilians or intentionally killing a prisoner. Which is we've already I mean, we just showed even the corporate media was just forced to establish to point out that what they just did to those Russian soldiers was a war crime, and then it just drifted in the background. It was like three days ago. Where's the talk now? Where's the outrage about what they're doing on the ground? Nothing. Nothing. I mean, just to be clear, by the way, even just the taping of their face like this and the things they do to them, the, the, these are, are illegal. What they're doing to these people is torture. It says, I repeat the sequence. Do observe the atypical white uh, midsole of the shoes of Russian POW wears. In addition, do observe that the combat knee pad of the same Russian POW has fallen well down the knee. He's just making X on top of the the obvious blue band, white stuff, and so on. All these executed POWs. My God. Now, let's, let's take a shot in the dark and, and ask, you know, let's remember, where did those mass graves come from again? The ones that they said were popping up in the area that they discovered after taking it back from Russia? Yeah, I wonder. Except we don't need to wonder because we proved this and we've spoken to people like Eva Bartlett and we understand how they keep getting caught lying about this stuff. Then you can realize how little corporate media actually <laughs> Well, I just be, uh, you know, graphic guys. Sorry. If a PhD at Harvard can make this point and and have evidence, I mean, it's that easy. It's there is the the point is, guys, the people in the Azov movement and Svoboda and right sector and all the rest of them are promoting these actions. They feel like they have impunity right now. Because nobody seems to care in the corporate media. They get caught lying and they keep saying what they're told. How do you, I mean, what do you think that shows them? That's impunity. They go farther next time. But we're the ones radicalizing people, right? 
Well, here, just a little sidestep in the World, the World Cup. Apparently, Ukrainians were arrested in Qatar after they drew swastikas on football posters. You know, no big deal. Well, that's telling, right? Just the point, like the point before, this does not mean that every Ukrainian is like this, but it does mean that plenty of Ukrainians that are still there, which, you know, that think about that during this still there, which doesn't, again, plenty of people do try to maintain, they've lived there their whole lives and so on, but you know, there's a lot going on. The point is some people choose to remain in this, ter- this kind of terrorist state. A lot of them because they believe in this stuff. The, the, you know, propaganda, the, the push that's being allowed by the CIA that's been built since 1948, you know, Operation Project Aerodynamic, right? These are, this is the whole, it's just like the Mujahideen in Afghanistan against the Soviet Union at the time. It's documented. They wanted to create a fascist entity to use against Russia at the time, or Soviet Union at the time, to mire them in the situation. I mean, it's literally what they've written down about this from 1948 forward, and they still do it. The point is that if we have examples of of Ukraine, Ukrainian individuals who go to this and in 10 different posters draw Hitler salutes and, and Zig Heil and different things on the posters and get arrested for it, clearly this is not some kind of false story, right? But this is, this is everywhere, like CNN accidentally catching a, a salute, a Heil Hitler salute in the middle of Kherson City and then get pushed out of the city by Ukraine because they weren't safe. <laughs> it's just such an obvious game. It's everywhere. Now, on top of that, even the poll, the, the interesting part of this is Poland seems to be towing the line about what's going on. But it says the Polish government figures have criticized the unacceptable decision by Ukraine to appoint the deputy foreign minister, Andrzej Maliknik, Melnik, who recently denied that nationalist leader Stefan Bandera was responsible for the massacre of Poles and Jews during World War II. So even the Polish government, who is doing their best to walk the U.S. government line, is going, my God, they're letting, like, we're going to pretend like we don't all see that they're chanting Stephen Bandera and putting statues up around and giving the, these people are so desperately trying to hide from this in the corporate media, despite the fact that this is in everyone's face right now. Think about how embarrassing that must be for them. And they can't go back on it now. Even Poland's government figures, some of them are going, my God, you guys just appointed a Nazi or at least a Nazi sympathizer crickets no where's cnn where's Fox news where's everybody else last two points on foreign policy biden priorities great point fluxus granted immunity to this guy actually hold on real quick let's see if i can grab this article real quick come on and load well the point was gave immunity to mohammed bin salman you know, the authoritarian leader of a monarchy. <laughs> you know, hashtag freedom and democracy, right? It's just so stupid. How in the world people take this seriously when these are their chief allies? 
you know, Cutter's not allowing people who are gay into their stadiums and they're not allowing people with, with rainbow flags on their shirts to come in, which is clearly a stunt in my opinion. But the point is, how, I mean, how do you pretend like these people are on the side of what they're pretending they fight for? Let's see. Shiver was what it was. Finding that article that Whitney wrote a while back about Mohammed bin Salman. Yep, right here. Read this for yourself, guys. These are the kind of people they support and still do. Mohammed bin Salman, same guy, says he wants Yemenis to, quote, shiver for generations when they hear Saudi Arabia. And at that moment, vows to continue targeting children. You know, after they bombed a bus full of kids and everyone's outraged, they said, you know, I'm going to keep doing that. Except the media didn't report that part of it because they're objective journalists. Really? My God. Yeah, but let's give that guy immunity, right? Just like Trump said, because, you know, we weapons and oil, right? It's important, except that's not what Biden is saying. Trump was at least honest about that, it appears, at least what he thought was honest. Biden. I mean, I, it doesn't even matter. This guy is still in prison. Julian Assange is still in prison. I mean, my God, how that's even possible when he never committed a crime, right? When all he did was reveal that the government committed crimes. And then everybody involved with showing that has been also attacked, arrested, disparaged, except every single person who was involved with the crime has never even been brought into discussion. We live in an authoritarian government, guys. These people are terrible. If that's possible, there's nothing else you need to see. It's all an illusion. Then last part, as he says, this is not satire. But an actual article in Hudson Institute posted on the Jewish News Syndicate, all in defense of the international rules-based order. Here's the headline. Bomb Iran to stop a wider war in Europe and protect Taiwan. Okay, so right now you're all screeching about how Russia's doing this and it's a war crime, except you're arguing we should just bomb Iran? With no any re- no no justification? No, like, well, they fought first, they bombed us, we're defending ourselves? No, well, because doing so... They argue would stop a larger war. So it's a greater good, you see? So it's okay for them to make these broad, grasping... Well, isn't that what Russia's saying? We're doing this for the good of our territory? To stop these people from... It doesn't matter. It is gross hypocrisy. Nothing means anything and everything means nothing. People say what they want when they want to. They deny it when they don't. It is pathetic. It's everywhere. That includes Russia and China and everybody else, guys. We need to stand up to this stuff as people. In your individual lives, with your individual actions... And start there. Now let's talk about COVID-19 to finish the show. Second half. (laughs) Biden admits vast majority of COVID deaths vaccinated. This was October 27th. Now what's interesting is the report that the Washington Post and everybody else is pointing at, the CDC included, when they make the argument of today, which is, by the way, already changed, that vaccinated people now make up a majority of COVID deaths, which you've known for a year or more because we've been telling you that improving it with data because that's always been the case from the very beginning. That that came out on October 21st, I believe, and they're only just now reporting it to you. Almost a month later. We saw, we can, science is all, it's all the scientific studies and posts are out there. It's been published. So apparently they just didn't point at it until they were supposed to. That's at least my perspective. You tell me what you think. Why would it, why would it wait? That's a big report because the point is I don't think they thought they were supposed to say this. So they just didn't say anything until somebody said, talk about that. These are all my perspectives, just my opinion. But my point is very clearly that Biden said this. Or I think I didn't I have it. I thought I did. 
I guess not. Here, let me pull it up again. I should have done that first. Right here. Oh, I know what I did. I have the video. Eli, Dr. Eli David posted it. The point is, I think I have it down here. I'll play for you what he said. Or not. Oh, yeah, it's right here. Virtually every COVID death in America is preventable. Virtually everyone. Almost everyone who will die from COVID this year will not be up to date on their shots. Right. Now, that's exactly what they're saying now. Acting like it's a bombshell we just discovered today, right? But that's the point. That's what they were pointing at then on October 27th, saying, well, this the most everybody, and that's why I framed it that way, they admit, because it's always been the case, the majority of COVID deaths were vaccinated. Nobody really plucked that out. Like, where, right then, where was the Washington Post? Where was the New York Times? Where was everybody else? If it's, if it's a headline-worthy story, then why wouldn't it have been like, my God, Biden just said that? Because they weren't supposed to point at it yet. It took almost a month for them to point at it. And here's what they said. Vaccinated people now make up a majority of COVID deaths on November 23rd until they change that to today, where it says COVID is no longer mainly a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Here's why. And guess, oops, guess what they did not do? Tell you that. There's not even an updated there. Now, what that usually shows you, look, they're well aware if they change anything, they're supposed to tell you that. These days, all they do is just kind of go updated as of this number, so you don't really know what they changed. They didn't even do that. You change the entire headline, like the entire thing, you damn well know you're supposed to point something out. They don't, because I argue that's not what they, they don't want you to know that, because this is about shifting the narrative, and it's a game. We're being played. This is a game. This is an information war. That's what this is. But here's what it says. The first post, I think it's generally the same post. They just changed the headline. But it says it's no longer a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Now, here's the real first take on this. And it's pretty much what the article does in a very clumsy way. It's trying to make you take, trying to insinuate that it was at first. Obviously, that's there. Obviously, if it's no longer, then it implies it was at one point a pandemic of the injected, unvaccinated. Or excuse me, uninjected. But what it really does, my, my argument is that they, if they can solidify in your minds, even those that, believe, that know they're lying because they kind of accidentally accept that by taking this story, that it was at one point a pandemic of the unvaccinated, well, what they're going to say now is, well, the reason we're now suffering, the reason that most people that are dying now are vaccinated is because those dirty anti-vaxxers didn't do what they were supposed to, right? And it started out as them suffering like we would have expected, but then it made things mutate. And now we're suffering because of their negligence. Watch for it. Or if not, I mean, I shouldn't even say that. I'm already seeing it happen. We're already watching the other corporate talk shows run with that exact sentiment. It's already happening. It's your fault. So they're not forget. They're not pointing anything new out. They're saying the same narrative by giving you a, they want you to think they gave you a bone. Fine, we're admitting it's this, but they're not really. All they're saying is it is this kind of, not like you said before, but it's only because you still, still get boosted, still get your injections. I swear to God, that's what it's saying. I mean, this is paradoxical that they can keep this going. But again, I think they're just desperate. I think they're at such a loss at this point. They can only keep going and hope for some new shocking story to shift you back into place. For the first time, really? A majority of Americans dying from coronavirus received at least their primaries. I mean, how do you even possibly say for the first time? This has been the case for a long time. We've been pointing this out since 2021. The reality that their own data, not my opinion, but the data from Ontario, the data from 
New South Wales, the data from Scotland, from the UK in general, they're all saying the same thing. By the way, somebody was pointing this out. I, I didn't mean to imply Ireland was part of the UK. I was just speaking very quickly off the cuff. And I meant to say that, you know, included in the numbers we were talking about, got missing. People were saying that Ireland is not Scotland and England and, you know, the greater area there is what we're talking about. Wales, I think. The point is the UK data was blind. I mean, it was just a red flag of obvious important information that they then quickly hid from people when they realized how obvious it was. The, 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 even the risk per 100,000 was showing you that they were the majority of the problem. It started with cases, but then when you get into the booster and then even especially past that, it got really bad and they just stopped showing you. But now they're stepping in to make the case where they can adjust the narrative for you. 58%, they say, of COVID coronavirus deaths in August were people who were vaccinated or boosted. And what's interesting is why can't we do that right now? Why does it have to be August? I argue because it's a hell of a lot worse right now. And they know that because that's what everything is showing. But it says, according to an analysis conducted for the Health 202 by Cynthia Cox, Vice President of the Kaiser Family Foundation. Well, if the majority were vaccinated or boosted, what are you accounting for for the people that got a shot? And then, wait, you know, and let's just say got or died within 14 to 21 days. Which, by the way, is the majority, which we've shown you many times. As we've pointed out with plenty of different places, the only reason I bring up the Alberta uh, archive is because they posted the actual graph that proved what we're saying and then deleted it within like 30 seconds. But luckily somebody caught it. But the point is not only to show you that they all take what is within the first 14, in some cases 21 days, that's predominantly Scotland, and kick that down into unvaccinated. We're talking about cases, hospitalizations, and deaths. They were either unvaccinated or diagnosed within two weeks. It's pretty simple. The point, though, is not just they're doing that, because that alone shows you they're taking things that happen to people who are injected and call it unvaccinated. How can you say it's unvaccinated if they have a shot in their arm? But the main point was not just that they're doing that, but that the vast majority of what does happen happens in that window. The cases, the hospitalizations and the deaths. Each category is over 80 percent. All, that's the spike you're seeing. All of the cases are happening within the first 20 days. All of the hospitalizations are happening within the 20, first 20 days. All of the deaths are happening, I should, all, but the vast majority within the first 20 days. So when you effectively go 14, 21 days and kick it all down, you're hiding the gigantic majority of the problem. So going back to the point, you say 58% today of the deaths are people that were only vaccinated and boosted, but what about the people that died within 14 days? You know they're not counting that. So right there is a huge caveat. Then we could talk about people that, I mean, there's, there's so many holes in this story. Not to get derailed by this, but the point is that they're arguing that this is the case now, but only because the majority, first of all, well, actually really the main takeaway from this article is they don't even really make an argument. They simply just say, well, most people are vaccinated, therefore that's why this makes sense. But it doesn't really, does it? Because what changed? This is the majority of people, whatever, you know, over 51% have been vaccinated in this country for a long time, a long time. Okay, at least one, mostly two for a long time. Okay, so then why now all of a sudden is it most people are dying? If the majority have been vaccinated, you could argue the same thing would have been the case a long time ago. But it wasn't. So we're just pretending like just yesterday it just shifted and now all of a sudden 
sort of like all of a sudden monkeypox is worse or all of a sudden RSV is worse or all of a sudden. No, there's obviously something shifting here and their narrative is what I'm talking about. But the point before is that they're hiding from what is actually the culprit in all of this. The injection hurting people. It's a continuation of a troubling trend that has emerged over the past year as vaccination rates have increased and new variants appeared. The share of deaths of people who were vaccinated has been steadily rising. But even this point itself, though, how does this make sense? Just because most of them are vaccinated doesn't mean that most of them would be the most that would die. So at the very least, that makes it benign. That means that there is no benefit or problem, that you just are nothing. It's just the same situation and you're you're the majority. Therefore, you're the majority of the deaths. Aren't they saying this thing reduces your possibility of death? So if we've got 70% of the population, but yet 58% of the deaths are COVID, that's very clearly not working for people. They must see this and they just don't care. If this thing's reducing death to the point to where it's not a problem, but it just, you know, that's what they basically say, then this would be a very slim portion of what we're talking about. It's not, though. It's very obvious that they're hiding from this, and their only argument is it's the majority, but that has been the case for a long time. It's a continuation of troubling trend, they say. It's emerged over the past year. Nope, still wrong. As vaccination rates have increased and new variants appeared, the share of deaths of people who were vaccinated has been steadily rising. This is what's interesting. If it's steadily rising, that implies that it's not the majority, but it just continues to increase because the majority of vaccination increases. But they're not saying that. They're saying the majority of deaths. So if the if the majority of vaccination increases, you should see that number go down based on their argument that it's that it reduces death. Right. The fact that the percentage goes up, the more people get vaccinated shows you that's not the case. This is basic stuff. In September 2021, vaccinated people made up just 23 percent of coronavirus fatalities. Even my point, even then was the same, same thing. I think Toby, Toby, uh, shoot, um, Keith of, of Daily Skeptic made the same point a while ago. In January and February this year, it was up to forty-two percent, like right there. How in the world are you making sense of that? How, so at the point is, if you're at it, 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 that point, it was what sixty-seven. The point is, you have a gigantic portion of the vaccinated taking up the deaths. Then you know that a huge portion of those deaths are within the first fourteen days. They're lying to you. Quote, we can no longer say this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. That must have been tough for them. Or it's a executed uh, strategic move to, to, to shift the board in a certain way so they can cement this as it was at one point, and now it's your fault that we're still dealing with this and just keep going. Being unvaccinated, they say, is still a major risk factor for dying from COVID-19. It's not, though. Because it's basically non-existent at this point. They're the ones telling you it's one one thousandth of the risk for children. They're telling you right now this is way less dangerous than it was in the beginning. And we're now proving in the beginning it was way less dangerous than they said it was. So where we're at now is less than the flu. That is undeniable. And we will get into that. Oh, shoot. Oh, that's right. I'm opening tabs. I forgot. I'm not supposed to be today. (laughs) I'm losing my tabs. But the point, we'll get to this in the end. We've already gone over this. But right now, this is the current data about how dangerous this is. And it's Nothing. I mean, this is less than the flu for every possible age group, even the ones they're screaming about. But they're still pushing this narrative. Still saying this. If you're unvaccinated, your risk of dying from COVID-19, I mean, I'm on this point right now. Let's just, so just whatever. Let's say you're 40 years old. Right now, your risk of dying is 0.129% for 40 to 49. Oh no, excuse me, it's 0.035. And the only reason I argue that it's even close to the flu at point at 50 to 59, because that's where that's it, 0.1 to 2, 
is because of the fact that the elderly people were focused on, given the injections more than anybody, jammed in nursing homes, which you've already seen reports proving that hurt them more than helped them. That's what I argue. But look at the rest of them. 0 0.01, 0 0.003, 0 0.03. These are not dangerous numbers. So they're saying that that's the risk. So take the injection that increases your risk of myocarditis between you know, one and 3,000. Or as even McCullough just said, 23,000 in a million. That's gigantically more than the number we just showed you. These aren't my opinion, guys. These are facts, peer-reviewed science. But the Washington Post can just state that and nobody cares. But efficacy wanes over time. They're talking about the injection, not natural immunity. But they kind of make, I think they make that intentionally confusing. And in an analysis out last week from the CDC, which you can look at, highlights the need to get regular booster shots. So they come to the conclusion that most people dying are because they are, are right now injected, and their argument is get the booster shot. To keep one's risk of death from the coronavirus low. You know, the booster shot that was just shown to increase your risk of side effects more so than the previous shot. That's the last study that we just talked about in the last show. It's science. But I, I, I never argue that means that's the truth. But they're the ones saying trust the science. That's the most correct. That came out very recently. Saying in every possible way, it was increasing the problems. But here we are saying, well, no, just do that because it, the booster keeps you from dying even more, you know, from the risk of death that's dramatically low. The final message I give you, Fauci says, from this podium is that please, for your own safety, for that of your family, get your updated, bivalent, untested, dangerous COVID shot. I added that stuff, of course, and soon as you're eligible. That's their argument. Now, I'm not going to get into this buzz. This, this, it's unnet. This, it's, it, I would love, I mean, I probably would have talked about it if I, I didn't have more going on, just because it's funny to point out how stupid this is. But I think things like this tend to happen when they want some kind of distraction. But Fauci's trying to talk about it. Somebody asked about the origin, and KJP steps in like some irrational Karen and goes like, you're going to be irrespectful. How dare you ask questions of the guy who would know? I mean, it's so silly what she does. Treating these people like they're six years old. No yelling. You how dare you? Like, you, what, who do you think you are? But regardless, the point is that this is just a sidetrack distraction. It says the BA5 Omicron subvariant became dominant in July. That's their other, I guess, half argument that that changed the world right? The new Omicron thing that's less dangerous that we tried to make a booster for that nobody took it because it was already changing. I mean, they act like this changed everything. Accounted for the majority of new infections, even though nobody's seemingly dying anymore. Very, very rarely. In the United States in earlier this month, the highly transmissible strain fueled the surge of infections, reinfections, and hospitalizations. Yeah, in the majority of people that have injections. You can see the cases are off the charts. People that are not injected are not getting sick, guys. That's, I was showing you that all the way back in UK's data. The cases were like four to five times. No, it was three to four times in the injected category versus people that weren't. And then we can talk PCR and all sorts of other manipulations in there. And that's the best they can do. Boosters. It's still true that vaccinated groups, they say, are at the lower risk of dying from COVID. I mean, how can, I mean, okay, wait a minute. It's still true that vaccinated groups are at a lower risk of dying from COVID infection than the unvaccinated. When it's adjusted by age. Well, that's pretty self-serving because the entire premise of the article is the majority of people dying are vaccinated. So now you're going to pretend that they're at lower risk from dying, even though you just said most people dying are injected? That... <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's take a look at death in August, it says, when the highly contagious BA5 variant reaches peak. 
that month, unvaccinated people aged six months and older died about six times the rate of those who had received their primary series of shots. Again, there's so many caveats to how they could even reach that. And then that's that's assuming they're not even just making it up. We've already caught the CDC lying, literally lying about stuff more than once. The, the, the pandemic of the unvaccinated narrative, that's the first, I mean, first of all, remember, they got blatantly caught where they used data from the first six months of the year when we were in this latter half of the year, when they knew that at the time they pointed at it, the vast majority of people weren't even injected. They said, see, everyone dying is uninjected. Same thing that's happening now. They're going, most people dying are injured. They'd have a narrative on either side of it. But their point back then was that, see, it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated. But they knew they plucked it at a time when it couldn't possibly be a pandemic. They're liars. Here we are, where they're playing a game and saying the unvaccinated people have a much every we've shown you so much science, so many scientific studies that prove that's not the case. Now, also, this doesn't even factor in myocarditis, blood clots, heart attacks, strokes, and every other thing we know is happening now. They just pretend like, well, it's efficacious and it works, so that's it. We saw a clinical response. So give it to people. Senior officials said the Biden administration would direct some of its remaining resources to fight the pandemic into a $475 million campaign to support community health centers and organizations working to get elderly people with disabilities boosted. My God, are we just doing it all over again? It hasn't stopped, by the way. So you're going to you're going to purposely go to the people that are most at risk that, by the way, their own data shows they don't know if it's safe for them. I've made this point 50,000 times. Thank you for Scott for putting it out in the Substack. I don't know why people can't see this point. Like, you know, the, the out there, the larger people, pick up on this, guys. Get this in front of the larger people out there so this can get some traction. The fact that their data right now shows you they don't know if it's safe for people with immunocompromised situations, elderly people, pregnant people, everything. Everything they're doing, it's right there. It says we haven't even done the studies, but they're telling you it's safe. They're going to make a campaign and take your tax dollars to focus on those people. I think that was it. Okay. So there's the basic breakdown of this article. As I said, watch as this gets used against you as opposed to the other way, as this is some kind of breakthrough of the truth. That's not what's happening. This has been the reality for the entire time, as far as I'm concerned. And that's why they've now altered this to say, well, it's no longer mainly pandemic. Right. Cowards can't even hold the line, can't even hold the argument for 30 seconds. They already got to change the title. Oh, I don't know. I think I had it. Oh, that's right. I said it. Oh, I, that's why I should show it to you. But here's an interesting overlap. Here's the Washington Post this year, February 3rd. Okay, so about seven, eight months ago, here's what they say. Yes, it's still a pandemic of the unvaccinated, arguably even more so now. Well, that didn't very very well, right? Okay, so wait a minute. In February, it was more of an un- pan- pandemic of the unvaccinated than it was when you first started that narrative. But then eight months later, It's literally the opposite. So how could it be more of the point is this is just narrative flow. And the idea is that at this point in time, I proved to you this wasn't the case. So did a lot of people. So it's weird that they just shit. The point is something initiated the shift in the narrative. Otherwise, this doesn't. I mean, if you care to even look back at their even closer articles, it doesn't even add up. But here's an interesting one. Other also the Washington Post, April 29th. COVID deaths no longer overwhelmingly among the unvaccinated as toll of elderly grows. So let's just take the one just before February 3rd to April. That's just a couple of months. Okay, so we're going to pretend that in a couple of months, it goes from arguably the worst situation. So more than ever, 
people are dying in the unvaccinated category to going to April to going, well, no, it's no longer overwhelmingly. What shifted exactly, right? And here's my point from before. If this is just only now happening, except it wasn't though, because you just pointed out back here that this was already shifting. Everything about this doesn't add up. And here's even the Guardian just to add another rent, you know, stick in the spokes. This is October 3rd, 2021. Kate Hennessy saying, no, it's not a pandemic of the unvaccinated. I think we even talked about it at the time. So it's not like this is some gigantic bombshell because the reality is the data has always been there. Even according to the corporate media, they just keep trying to shift it around and make it look the way they want it to. But as I said, if you follow T-Lab, you know this already. And you know it's the case in 2021. They've been trying to hide it. Now they admit this, if only to cement the lie that there was ever a pandemic of the unvaccinated and claim that today it's still your fault. Get boosted. Pandemic of the injected. That's what they're trying to do. Here is Scott's uh, report on this. It's a great report. I think I had a couple parts highlighted. Pandemic of the injected now reported by the Washington Post. It says it, start, it was startling to see the Washington Post, a very partisan pro-vaccine propaganda outlet, actually espoused the same headline that T-Lab has been covering for years. Once again, showing T-Lab's value over and above what outlets like the Washington Post could ever dream of being. But don't get your hopes up yet. By the way, I just hope you guys know he has complete freedom on this. Like he, I, I, I allow him to run this the, the Substack. I mean, we we overlap and talk about stuff, but I don't want it to appear like I'm like making him say things about me. That's <laughs> not what's happening. I I I, just, I love that. Appreciate it because I agree, right? I I do agree with that. That's why I often try to say that. You know, right? It's, it's a, just demonstrating our value to show you how far ahead we were on these things. But it says now, of course, the argument is that the injected population increases. The number as the as the injected population increases, the number of people who die that are also vaccinated will increase. Right now, I, I, I that that is there's logic to that point, but not the majority. The majority challenges the entire standing. It says, for example, he writes, if 100 percent of people who were to be vaccinated. If 100 percent were to be vaccinated, then 100 percent of those people were to die who die will be vaccinated. You get the point. I'm just chopping it up when I'm reading it wrong. Same point I just made. Obviously, 100% of people who would die if 100% were vaccinated would be vaccinated, right? The increase in vaccine intake will correspond with an increase in people who die who have received the shots, but not the majority, though. And that's the main point. Because if it's, let's just say, 50% of people are vaccinated and 50% of people are dying are vaccinated, that means at the very best that there's no effect of the injection. I mean, and we're seeing, we're seeing a contradiction of that in the numbers that they present, and they're ignoring it. As expected, the article goes on to stress the importance of continuing to inject these experimental mRNA shots into as many people as possible. The very next sentence after she says it's no longer a pandemic of the unvaccinated is being unvaccinated is still a major risk, as we pointed out. But Scott picked up on something I didn't I didn't really I didn't think about when I read it. Notice they say you need to get the booster, you know, the untested bivalent shot that nobody knows is safe because they don't even know that. Is to keep one's risk of death low. That's interesting, right? So what happened to the term hospitalization and death? We actually picked up on this on a previous report from the CDC. Oddly keeping it just to death now. Are they only arguing now that these shots will prevent you person from dying? What are they even trying to say? Right? I mean, <laughs> like it's a very low bar to set. Ultimate point here, guys, is that if it's just reducing your chances of dying, that's, that's like the Rogaine analogy I make on steroids. They can just be like, well, you wouldn't have died or you did, and therefore you were the small percentage. Like, it's just, it's a, it, there's no way to verify this stuff. The argument is always the fact that this is stopping transmission. And they've gotten so far from that, even though we all know they very clearly pushed the idea and claimed it stopped transmission, despite the fact that it very clearly said in the beginning that it didn't. 
right? I'll get, I think I have a point in that in here somewhere where they do make the same argument that no, that came out in European Parliament. And I'm like, no, it didn't. We said it in 2021. Forbes said it in 2021, or at, rather 2020 to be, be accurate, because that's when we reported about what their study said. They never even tried to look. And then the early reporting showed you that it didn't, and it continued to, even though they say the opposite. But down here, it says another concerning point in the article concerns the $475 million campaign to inject elderly people with disabilities and people with disabilities, according to the official community document that I show you all the time, which was, again, just recently updated to November 2022. This is from Pfizer. This is from the European document of Pfizer, but this FDA document says the same thing. I've shown you both of them. In fact, they're both in these tweets I'll show you as well. But as Scott points out, the same point that it shows you that there is a, a risk of, or there's a lot of missing information about the, this, this case he's pointing out the associated disease, which is essentially kind of like a VADES problem or an antibody dependent enhancement, which it does in fact say that's a risk, but they don't like to talk about right there. Vaccine associated enhanced disease. It's that is antibody dependent enhancement, but it also goes on to talk about a lot of other missing information. It clearly shows they did not even do the proper studies in order to determine the benefits to people with disabilities. One of the main ones in here, is specifically, first of all, immunocompromised people, which a lot of elderly people are, but just blatantly frail patients with comorbidities. The vast, the largest grouping of in that category, the the largest percentage of frail people with comorbidities, that's elderly people. As I keep showing you, there is limited information on the safety of the vaccine in frail patients with comorbidities. Right, so we don't know if it's safe. We have limited information. That's why it says missing information. So the point is you're going to give it to them first, even though you don't know if it's safe. Immune, autoimmune problems, inflammatory disorders, same thing, limited information. But I've shown you the rest of them about vaccines. As they push the flu shot alongside this, like Dr. Job, the White House, just said, it very clearly says that the co-administration of COVID vaccines with other vaccines and the studies about them have not been performed. What is it, the 55th time I've made this point? The whole argument, guys, is that there's no way they can say it's safe if they've never even done the studies. Now, you can argue that this is so dangerous that you're willing, that we're willing to take that risk with your body, but they're not saying that. As I've shown you a hundred times, it says it's safe. Or that's the pregnant version of it. Here, this is the same point on this one. They all say that it's safe. They, in fact, Walgreens and CBC are saying, do it, come get it. Get them alongside each other. We'll even give you a discount. I mean, that's just that's just mind-blowing. Let me pause for one second. I guess we don't have any mods in the chat. Hold on. Same. These bots love to come on my channel. It's putting, like, sex stuff in the chat. But if they didn't do the studies, they don't know if it's safe. That's for elderly people, immunocompromised, pregnant women, people getting other vaccines. Oh, you know, and the casual one that nobody wants to point at that, you know, long-term safety data has not been done, none, and it's unknown at present. Long-term safety data is unknown at present, but we've taken two and a half years of injecting children and people and anybody. We don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow, but they're going to force it on you though. Like it just, like if this was shared on CNN and Fox news, this would be over. This is incredible because there's no way you can rationalize forcing something that has a 0.01% death rate for most people if you don't even know if it's safe. As he points out, 
Ryan covers this topic often, also in the context of how the same document discusses there's missing information regarding pregnant women, breastfeeding, and so on. Flu shots alongside each other. In any case, review the information so you understand what's going on. Pregnant women right there. Right here. Use in pregnancy. The safety profile of vaccine is not fully known in pregnant or breastfeeding women. But let's risk your child's life on it, though, because CDC said so, because Joss said, you got two arms, just do it anyway. That's, I mean, I, I made these tweets so that it would be an easy one-stop shop to post. It's got the source material links and the images where it says the safety of the profile is not fully known in pregnant women, and so on. Same thing with this one, where it shows you that they say, we don't have the information, right? There's no data. Unknown at present. My God. So here, it's just, I, I'm not even trying to attack this person because I, you know, I don't know what they know or what their circles are, but somebody just posted and says, does anyone know if it's safe to have a COVID booster shot on the same day as your flu shot? This is my point, guys. This is November 22nd. This has said this since 2021 when they put this out. Or even further, I think even earlier, actually. So how is it possible that somebody has to go to Twitter and say, guys, does anybody else know? But you know why they're doing that? Because there's no informed consent. Because the average person has no clue that there's no long-term safety data. The average person has no, well, I don't, I, I hope I'm wrong about that. I hope the majority does. And we're, the perception of the majority that they put out, it, they're, they seem to have no clue. Nobody's, in that, in that perception, nobody seems to know that it's unsafe along, or rather unproven alongside other vaccines, or that there's no long-term safety data, or that it's not shown to be safe for immunocompromised or elderly people or anything. What's interesting is I responded and I just said, it's not. Or to be very clear, their own docs as of today say they have not done tests. Nobody seems to like that or this one, or actually somebody liked this one. But somebody responded saying, we did it in the same arm. Honey one in each arm. Sore's arm, but that's it. Nope, we never had any reactions. They say, thank you. I've never had a reaction either. I'm going to get it because vaccine's good. That's, you know, uh, that's what they wanted, clearly. But that, that's it then, right? So you're being informed by another random anonymous person on Twitter because CDC is failing you because the FDA and the CDC have, if they ever did, have chosen to cast you aside for their own agenda. There's no way around that. Informed consent has not been met. Now, you know why I can prove that amongst many other things we've already shown you? Because here is, here is a member of parliament in, in, in Australia who is calling this out in real time saying you haven't done genotoxicity studies. So how in the world can you force this? And they're finally admitted, forced to admit that that's the case. Sorry, wrong one. Oh, I think I actually closed it when I grabbed the other one. Hold on. Let's see. Yeah, here it is. This is a great video. It makes them look really stupid. It's a gene technology actually going to perform any genotoxicity studies on the vaccine. Given that uh, no, vac- no genotoxicity studies were done before the vaccine was rolled out. Okay, thank you for your question, Senator Raj Bula, Gene Technology Regulator. Um, genotoxicity studies in terms of the impact of the vaccine would be part of the data package that's submitted to the TGA. That's yep. not information that we require because the uh, OGTR does not look at patient safety as part of its remit under the Gene Technology Act. So that, that's a T. Always somebody else's fault, right? That's not my guy. That's not my thing. It's they, they talk to the NSA. No, the NSA says talk to the White House. White House is talking to the State Department, right? This is always how this goes. It's always somebody else's responsibility. And then it usually comes down to, we'll get back to you next week. And then it never happens over and over and over. The point is they should all know this information right now. All of them. If they're forcing people to take this shot, which they are. Question. 
Okay, then I'll ask the professors this. There was no genotoxicity study done for the rollout of the vaccine. The vaccine's been rolled out now for, what, almost up to 18 months, 20 months. Has any genotoxicity study been done or performed on the vaccine, given that there are a number of modifications to the spike protein that weren't in the, vi- in the initial virus? I'd just see if uh, Ms Duffy from the TGA is online, uh, whether the TGA officials can provide any information about that but uh, they obviously are across all of the uh, material that's, that's submitted uh, as part of the vaccine evaluation. Is Ms Duffy? Yeah. Oh, you're here. Yeah, great. Yeah. You're here. Tracy Duffy, First Assistant Secretary, Medical Devices, Product Quality Division. I'm sorry, Senator, I don't have that information, but I'm happy to take it on notice wow. and we'll bring it back on Thursday if that's... Okay, so that's fine, because initially when you looked at... Like, what do you mean you don't have it? Are you, are you really going to pretend right now that even though you don't have a document in front of you that you are, are or are not aware of the most... Uh, the genotoxicity studies of the injection that you're making people take? Like you just don't remember? How is that even possible? The point is, she either knows very clearly they haven't, and that's what she's soft-rolling, or she really doesn't know, and that's almost more concerning. The, um, you know, whatever it was, the assessment, it said there was no genotoxicity studies done at all, plus carcinogenic, plus longevity. Right. Um, so I'm just curious if you've, you've done any since. We'll go back and, um, and be able to provide that information okay. on Thursday. I love that. So his point is, we already know that you didn't do them. <laughs> have you done more since you told us last time you didn't do them? I'll get back to you on Thursday. It's just, this is pathetic. This is the kind of government that we see everywhere today. It's, it's really about hiding from accountability at all costs, especially at your cost, at the expense of you. But then I'll, I'll finish off with this question then. I have a question for the whole Department of Health as a whole. Why did you, given that this was new technology, allow this vaccine to be rolled out without getting genotoxicity studies done, given that the actual vaccine virus contained pseudo, uh, methyl pseudouridine that replaced uridine. You had three stop codons, not one. You had a proline insertion at 986 and 987, and you added 70 adene nucleotides to the poly-A tail, which was going to increase its duration of lifespan. So surely all of those things... I mean, a normal vaccine, you attenuate the vaccine. You don't, you know, um, put Superman cape on it and strengthen it by increasing its longevity. Remember when we went over the new information about the new shot, right? When we showed you that they changed this thing, the codon optimization and the different points we made when they tried to pretend that Camerinda was exactly the same. Now, we're, now, I'm just specifically talking about the change between the original and then the, the one they claim is approved. Or, I mean, the point is he's making, they, rap, they changed a lot of stuff and they pretend like they already knew because they claim it was based on the original. The point is they did this stuff and it was different. That absolutely demands more investigation, more safety, more testing. And we got called conspiracy theorists. You're not a scientist. You don't know what's going on. And the people that did know said, no, it's just exactly the same. You don't know. That's how that works, guys. Even the experts who either don't know or try to hide it will shout you down. People then tow that line. The point is, it's very clear scientifically these things were different. And now we're forcing people with it even more removed from that, where they make the BA1 thing. Then they take the information from that and add it to a new thing with BA4 and 5, and they don't even test if that's safe in humans. When we're talking about not just new things, secondary removed, 
but then taking new things from the new things we haven't tested there and adding like and pretending like that is the same as the very first thing in the beginning. I mean, it is, it's ridiculous and it's completely confusing, but the point is nowhere along there are they ensuring these changes are safe for you. Just pretending like we know. And then Scotland or people like that come out and say, well, we already did this and we know, so we're not even going to look into it. Because that makes sense, right? Senator, we have uh, great confidence in our regulatory <laughs> system, uh, um, in our TGA, in our advisory. Oh, good. So you're confident in your own structure. So we don't ask questions? Got it. So when you ask a pointed question about whether or not something is a problem, they just go, we have great confidence in our system. That's a sidestep. That is a classic political sidestep. What he's basically saying is how it's, I'm insulted that you would even suggest that we would do. We have great confidence in my team and that's not even possible. That's what he's doing. That's disgusting. Media on vaccines and the, 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 the portfolio of information that they reviewed from uh, the vaccine sponsors uh, were sufficient to convince them that these vaccines were safe to roll out. And we trust the vaccine companies. And uh, the department, uh, obviously the delegate, who's a delegate, my delegate in a sense, I have great confidence in the competence and training of those people advised by the various experts that they have. And, and th their view was that there was accumulation of data submitted before the vaccines were uh, provisionally approved. But, and now we have multiple billions of doses administered without any evidence of of those other sort of things that i think you are suggesting might be possible so wow wow right so i'll i'll let the mp destroy him on that point but really the argument they keep making and they know damn well that just the fact that they've been given does not prove anything as even fauci says you know before he was whatever before i guess i mean maybe being honest whatever before he was saying something that was actually honest about what we're dealing with now before was that yeah sometimes two three years down the line all these things explode then then what do you do yeah we're just about getting in that time zone but we're gonna pretend like well, didn't we already give everything away there you go see proof and then he says no evidence of any side effect did he really just say that first of all it's not proof evidence Evidence doesn't even mean you can, evidence just means a report. To act like there's no reports, even unverified, we all know that's not true. They love to play the game to act like Bayer's doesn't exist, or any of the reports don't exist because they're unverified. They're all doing that. Then they mean, then they use that to say no evidence. Don't miss how clear that is. The CDC, they all do the same thing. There's no evidence of these problems. Yes, there is, because there's reports. You can claim those reports are false, but that's all evidence, and you failed to vet it, vet it because you choose to. You don't want to look at it, so you act like it's dismissed because you never did, and we've proven that. They've admitted that. We, we were very confident. Well, I'm not suggesting anything. I'm happy to suggest that there's been 100, almost 140,000 reported adverse events at a rate. At a, I accept there's 20 million people have got the vaccine, but that is at a rate that is more than all the vaccine-reported uh, injuries from vaccines since 1971 put together. So we've all had multiple vaccine shots over the years. Now ask yourself, how in the world that's possible to do, have the exact same spike in other countries? Are we pretending that conspiracy theorists collected together around the world and individually with their own countries executed this plan exactly at the same time to the same degree? Because that makes sense, right? Or, you know, just theorizing here that maybe these problems that are being caused by the vaccine are happening the same way around the world to slightly varying degrees. Which one makes more sense to you? Right. The idea that we're saying that 
I, I mean, I don't even know how they could say this with a straight face. Almost 140,000 reported adverse events at a rate. At a, I accept there's 20 million people. Accept. This is Australia, right? So we're talking about Australia seeing more on their reporting system than all the other years combined. Just like the United States. Just like the UK. Yellow card system. Just like all of them. How do you make sense of that other than the same problem is happening everywhere? They want you, They really want you to believe it's just a bunch of unverified reports, and we don't know for sure. We never, except before COVID, that's how that system was supposed to work. You never even needed to verify them, as the UK said on the record in 2006. Just the signals are enough, like they used to stop a previous swine flu shot. They never needed to prove them all. Everything about this is obvious if you just care to think past what they're telling you. Got the vaccine, but that is out of right. That is more than all the vaccine uh, reported injuries from vaccines since 1971 put together. So we've all had multiple vaccine shots over the years. Um, so to say that there's no evidence, I completely dispute that. Mm. Plus, as, as for having confidence, I mean, we've had over 10 million cases of, of COVID in the first nine months since the borders were opened in late mm. December. Right. You yourself, Professor Kelly, said there was evidence of stopping the transmission. I've got the report here from the FDA that said Pfizer said there was no evidence of ever stopping transmission. They never tested for it. That came out in the European Parliament three weeks ago. So I don't see how you can say you've got confidence when, you know, you got it wrong on transmission, which is an easy benchmark to measure this stuff by. Well, Senator, I don't think we'd get it wrong on transmission. I accept that evidence that Pfizer gave, but the <laughs> clinical epidemiology, and Professor Kelly can attest to this, before Omicron, there was clear evidence that vaccination was impacting on transmission. I mean, it's just so pathetic how these guys will keep shoving this down your throat. You don't, you don't miss what he did right there, right? I've heard all the Pfizer stuff. The Pfizer said whatever. Didn't you just take what Pfizer and the company said before at face value? But now that what they tell you directly based on their research challenges, what you're trying to say, I've heard the Pfizer stuff. Here's what, here's what I want to say. These are supposed to be the people we're trusting? <laughs> Come on. The vaccination is what controlled the Delta wave in New South Wales. Um, we absolutely accept that with Omicron. Okay, so apparently that, that that injection stopped the Delta wave in New South Wales, but but nowhere else, or not the same in other places. Same shot, though, right? But it didn't do the same thing everywhere else. Delta was the problem, remember. That's when that's when Zelensky admitted that transmission wasn't being stopped. But according to them, in a different place in the world, that's what stopped transmission. Yeah, because that all adds up, right? <laughs> I mean, who knows what might, and maybe he believes that. But there's no way that all makes sense together. Either there's faulty science being done, which is literally everywhere today, or he's lying to you, or he doesn't know anybody. I mean, who knows? I don't know what the answer could be. But I do know that that does not add up with the facts. The vaccines are not as effective in controlling transmission, but all the evidence, all of the evidence we have suggests that they are highly effective in preventing severe disease and saving lives. So, Except they never tested them to see if they did. They just say, we see that happening while they're going, la, 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 we don't see all the other problems, but we're going to trust that they see this in the world in their observational study. But remember, mild to moderate symptoms. That's all they tried to stop. And that was proven with their studies. Forbes talked about it. I talked about it 2020, and they're now picking up on this about the transmission all the way later in 2022. But the point is that this stuff has been there. But we're supposed to just trust them because they clearly see it all and are honest about it, right? We might have had millions of cases, but we would have had a very large number of deaths if we hadn't had a highly vaccinated well, population. Because <laughs> it would have been worse, right? It would have been worse is his point.
prove that. <laughs> Say that because I've got the six-month data here from the New England Journal from the Pfizer trial, and it actually shows that adverse <laughs> events from the actual vaccine group were much, much higher Oops. than the actual placebo group. Oops. So yet again, you say you've got evidence, and I've been tracking the New South Wales health data again, mm. so we. and there's, there's no evidence there. It's, people right. have had multiple boosters are the ones going to hospitals. Yep. No, no, it's... Oh, wow, look at that pushback. Everyone, oh, wait, 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 wait. You can't just say that kind of fact out loud. We can't allow that. Oops. <laughs> wait a minute. Maybe they, there's narratives are all crisscrossing him. You can't say the same thing that they're admitting in the U.S. right now. You can't say that. So you can you can it's, go and look at the New South Wales Health it's Data. Not, it's not true. It is true. It's just like it was in Ontario. The majority of people that were in the hospital at any given moment. That's why Ontario started hiding that data. You guys remember that watch this show regularly. 75% at any given moment that were in the ICU, generally about 75 or 70 to 75 in just hospital, were all people that were injected. That's the very easy fact to see all across the board. They just don't, they just, that's nah, not true. I'm not supposed to say that. He's literally holding up the new South Wales data in his hand. Think about how dumb all of this is. Senator, and you're, you're cherry picking various bits of data there. Well, well that's all I've got to work with is the New South Wales health data because the other state departments don't release anything. Don't you love how much he's destroying these people? So you're cherry picking. Well, how can it be cherry picking if that's the only one I have? <laughs> Go. Oh, well, think about that, right? <laughs> Wait a minute. That's the only one we have in front of us. They only release the other one. Why don't they release the other data? Because they're trying to control the flow of information. Well, well yeah, I, I, I dispute that that is the, the, the way, that, that is certainly how you are interpreting that data. It's not how <laughs> I would interpret it with my... Right, so 75% of people are hospital are boosted, but you're interpreting that incorrectly. Okay. Expert eye. Well, okay. I haven't got those particular New South Wales health numbers in front of me, but the vaccinated one, two, three, four groups all have higher numbers of hospital transmission and ICU admission. We we, we know um, absolutely without hesitation uh, that the vaccinated, fully vaccinated people, just two doses is enough to give at least a 30 times less chance of being hospitalized in Australia. That's Except the numbers quite literally contradict that. But just keep stating that, though. Because they've decided that's the reality. It doesn't matter what the facts show. Trust the science, <clears throat> the narrative, right? That's what they're actually, the, the, whether they even know that or not. But ask yourself this. How is it that the U.S., other people are saying, well, no, no, that's just, it wanes immediately. You're not even protected until you get the new, but you got to be up to date. But he's going, well, just get the two and you're, you're better. How did, oh, forever? 30% less likely if you got two and that was a long time ago? I mean, you can't even make sense of this between countries, even though they're on the same line. Australian data. So uh, based on what? Because this, the ba- non-clinical ba- report based said... Ba- based on the truth and, yeah. and, and facts. facts. See my point got based on the truth and the facts? How ridiculous is that? Like, you can't just... You, so this is a Fauci moment. I am the science. That's what they... they because we've decided those are the facts. Well, we're talking about evidence here, guys. Like, the fact that they are contradicting each other with both holding scientific information makes that point they've just decided what they think and hold is the reality even when what he holds which is just as valid of science peer-reviewed and otherwise is also there they just don't like it and the fact is the body of evidence is much larger and i make this very clear in my show on the side of the information challenging what they're holding a lot of these people are pointing back at stuff that was done two years ago okay so no no be more specific than that actually quite the data that 
the vaccinated, fully vaccinated people. Based on what? Because this, the ba- non-clinical ba- report said... Ba- based on the truth and, yeah. and, and oh, facts. OK, okay so yeah. no, no, be, be more specific than that. Actually quote the data source, please. Yeah, so that, that's the data, data source from the national, uh, the, the national data, data that we have in the Commonwealth, which is provided to us by the states and territories. OK, can you provide that to me? Because I haven't seen the other state data. I'm uh, very happy so to, to provide that to you on notice. OK, because you accept... On notice, meaning we'll get it to you later. Right. And so all he's doing is saying that's what the government said, provided to us by the states. And he is that confident about that, something that he was told by authority. You get my point about that? These people believe trusting the people above them is being intelligent, is doing their due diligence. As he's sitting there waving science and research that literally contradicts what they're saying. How can you have a majority of people in the hospital be vaccinated when you're trying to pretend that's not true? Just because you have a paper that says that, we're looking at the people in the hospital and they're vaccinated. And then you can consider the fact that you're talking about the 14-day period. What's funny is what we just said there is kind of what they're trying to argue, right? Here's my science, but here's what's actually happening. But they're not doing the same thing. They're just going, look at what we claim is happening and we're ignoring your science. Because they're saying, look at all the booster shots and we know they're all safe, but that's not true. What he's pointing at is in the hospital. We're looking at sick people and we can tell you they're vaccinated because they can prove that. And then you're pointing at what a study said a year ago and saying that's not true or whatever the context is. You got it wrong with transmission because you told my colleagues in No, I do not accept that I got it wrong on transmission. There, the original original papers, which I've read in full, not in not in extract, as you seem to have done. Ah, great. Oh, a little slight right there, right? Because you're too stupid. I read the whole paper. Yeah, well, so did we all, tough guy, right? We all did this because we care. To insinuate that we're too stupid to read the whole study is exactly the problem with people like this. Um... Uh, demonstrates very clearly that there is there is uh, an effect on infection. Oh, uh, an effect. Got it. So what, like 0.01% or 50%? Ah, just an effect. We'll just skim past that because is it a, an important effect? Like that matters, doesn't it? Because all they're going to do is it has an effect on transmission. Well, the point is, and we've proven this, what they're doing when they point at that is saying, well, if you suppress symptoms like we claim this does, and we've seen, I don't even know if that's even valid, based on everything else we've seen, but let's just give them that. Well, yeah, there would be an effect on transmission, but you can't really quantify that. They try, they just go, we know there's an effect, and they fail to quantify that. They don't give you a number because they don't know, but they they just are certain about the fact that, well, we minimize the transmission because this would therefore do that. But that's a secondary argument. You haven't proven that. And the reality is you didn't test to stop transmission. We can prove that it's not stopping transmission. So what are we really arguing about here? control over the narrative uh from the original trials of pfizer and astrazeneca and oh the original trials right so 2020 that's what we're pointing at 20, 2020 data i told you moderna uh and the others um what uh professor murphy has said is that the with the change and trusting pfizer and moderna because that makes sense to the virus and the higher transmissibility issues that we've we've dealt with in omicron over the last year um, that has changed the, the ballpark. So you've got stuff. As always, Omicron changed everything, even though I can prove to you that's not what happened. I actually still am starting to think more and more that the introduction of this was an attempt to do that. Clearly, with the diplomats in Botswana that nobody talks about, the diplomatic immunity they were afforded, and nobody asked where it came from or why they brought it into the country. And now it started, a new, it started in South Africa, according to the media, even though I've proven that 100 times over that Botswana is where it started, because that's whatever, that's, even the corporate media did report that when it first started. Right here, just I'll bring it. Since I mention it, I tend to bring it up. Statement. Oh, here from Botswana. 
showing you that the Omicron variant began here. The new COVID variant. This was this was on November 26th before they claim it started in South Africa. And it says the new virus, the Omicron, whatever they were calling it at the time, the B11529, which is Omicron, was detected on four foreign nationals who had entered Botswana on the 7th of November on a diplomatic mission. It's just amazing to me that that's not part of the conversation. Anyway, because we're conspiracy theorists, right? Back to the point. That show the, that, the original that, that you produce the immunoglobin A, you've got an immunoglobin A response in the mucosal system. Because that's not in the non-clinical no, report. No, it I'm, shows I'm, an immunoglobin G response in the blood, not in the mucosal system. I, I'm, I'm talking about the clinical outcomes and the epidemiological outcomes of, of the phase three trials from the companies themselves. The fa- right. And it, the same point, the clinical outcomes. So were the right clinical response? Does that even matter? That's a valid question. That's made this point before because just just because you produce antibodies, which is a clinical response, does not mean they're the right antibodies. And even Fauci said that on the record. Numerous people, Dr. Cole, doctors before this on the record saying, well, not all antibodies will work. You've seen the clips. So they love it. Well, clinical response. It's not all the evidence we need. Phase three trials that I've got from the six-month data shows adverse events are higher. I'm not talking about six months. At at six months, what we have found is that it has waned, that that particular immunity. Well, the non-clinical shows it wanes up to 35 days. Probably for the reasons that you've mentioned, because they're not very very strong on mucosal immunity. Okay, wait a minute. So you're like, no, 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 we're not talking six months. Okay, well, why doesn't that matter? So six months later, it's not working and you're hurting yourself now. More adverse events is what he just said. Then he goes, well, well, it's, 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 it's actually after 35 days, which is what I keep telling you. From day one, essentially, day 30, it drops almost below 55% relative risk reduction, which is meaningless as far as I'm concerned. Not absolute, relative, which is like 0.08 or whatever it comes out to. The point is then he goes, well, yeah, <laughs> it's probably because what you just mentioned. There's no mucosal immunity, which Dr. Bakhti was telling you day one. These won't work because it's no mucosal immunity. No injection put in the blood will be able to stop these kind of respiratory viruses. And guess what? It's not. And that's the be out. That's why they're going, oh, well, we need a nasal spray. So why is he acting like this is an add-on caveat that's kind of an extra small point we're not going to get at? He just destroyed your argument. If it does not create immunity, how in the world are you pretending that it stops transmission? This guy's probably kicking himself for the way he handled this. So that, that is correct. Uh, but no, there, that was immunoglobin is... G. There was no, there's no studies on immunoglobin A. There's been no studies on immunoglobin A response in the mucosal system. And the reason for that is, is that you're not going to get an, uh, an immunoglobin A response in the mucosal so system just, if you do an intramuscular Could I just ask you to phrase it as a question, please? Okay. Have you got... Yeah, God forbid information flies out, right? <laughs> any studies that show an immunoglobin A response in the mucosal system that, that, that from the current... vaccine? The current vaccines that are on the market are not designed uh, to deal with that system. Which also means they will not stop the spread of a respiratory virus, period. And they all knew that when this came out. All of them. That's what Dr. Bakke was so upset about. He knew that they all knew that. Ah, dang it. No studies on immunoglobin A response in the mucosal system. And the reason for that is, is that you're not going to get any... No, there's no studies on immunoglobin A. There's been no studies... On- Sorry, I think I just want to make sure I missed something. Dice. Probably for the reasons that you've mentioned, because they're not very very strong on mucosal immunity. So that, that is correct. Uh, but no, there, that was immunoglobin is- G. There was no, there's no studies on immunoglobin A. There's been no studies on immunoglobin A response in the mucosal system. 
And the reason for that is, is that you're not going to get an immunoglobin A response in the mucosal system just, if you do an intramuscular Could I just ask you to phrase it as a question, please? Okay. Have you got any studies that show an immunoglobin A response in the mucosal system from the vaccine? The current vaccines that are on the market are not designed uh, to deal with that system. Uh, they are dealing with other parts of the immunity, and they do that very successfully, as, as Professor Murphy has said, in terms of protection against severe infection and death. Um, they are I'm, absolute, I'm talking about are transmission now. The question originally was in, in regards to We're what you said We're jumping around previously. a fair bit, yeah. Okay, I'm asking the question, do you have any studies to back up your prior claims and Atagi's prior claims that it would reduce transmission, okay? And to do that, you've got to show an immunoglobin A response in the mucosal system. Have you got any studies? No. Senator, Senator, with respect, what you need to show is that there is no transmission or there is an influence on transmission. Oh, okay. So that was, I mean, so now we got a scientist who's sidestepping the scientific rationale, which he's right about, by the way, that just so we're clear about what he just said is exactly correct. What he's saying is, well, no, no. Well, of course, he could have said, yes, that's technically correct, but what we are looking at is whether we are actually stopping transmission in the real world. But he didn't say that because he doesn't want you to know what he said is correct because you know why? They didn't do those. And he's, he's forced to say it at the end here. But what he's saying is, no, no, we shouldn't look at the scientific rationale of whether this vaccine is even capable of doing so. We should just look at the world and see if that's actually stopping transmission. And there's so many other caveats involved with that. Right. I mean, what if it's not really there? What they want? They don't want to factor in all these conspiracy theories. Right. What if it's the flu? What if that's not what if we're talking about a thousand other complicating factors like masks being worn and how that exacerbates the issue? I mean, my God. But apparently this scientist is like, who cares about whether we can prove the vaccines technically able to do that? We just want to pretend we can see transmission stopping because we slowed down the PCR testing. Or how about that one? Right. I mean, my God. Senator, uh, Senator, with respect, what you need to show is that there is no transmission or there is an influence on transmission. What the actual mechanism for that is is, is a completely different lab, laboratory-based study protocol. That's true. Um, and is there any of those studies done on immunoglobin A in the mucosal system? Uh, no, not that I'm aware of. Thank but you. It, that's, all that's all I need to That's all. That's right. Nope. So we never studied whether or not it stops transmission. Bingo. My God, that was difficult. The point here, guys, is that he is just he just destroyed them. They're caught because they haven't tested for safety, with specifically gene genotoxicity, which is wildly important. And they clearly didn't. St- I mean, this is what's the right word for this? Even I mean, I mean, my God, the, the point is, there's no way this could have been done without them knowing this, or rather, not been done. But here's Peter Sweden pointing out Norwegian Health Institute are saying now they're not going to give recommendations for adults 18 to 64 to take the booster. Originally, they were saying just kids. Now they're like, look, we're not. Nobody should take this shot anymore. <laughs> nobody, apparently, with many top doctors in the country saying they won't even take it themselves. But yet, let's overlap that with your government saying you need to do this. You can't go to college without it. Fauci saying, please, for the sake of your family. But here's Norwegian Health Institute going, I won't even take it myself. How do you even make sense of those two things next to each other? One of them's lying, right? Norwegian Norwegian Health Institute has been routinely shown to be the right path in a lot of ways, specifically Sweden. But you can show there's at the very least they've done a lot less than we've seen over here. But yet we're going to take the word of Fauci, who's caught. Who's, I mean, my God, this is obvious. We are watching people get murdered by this, and I use murder intentionally because there are people involved with this agenda at this point, undeniably, that know they're keeping this going.
whether or not they knew in the beginning it was dangerous is up for debate. I, you can debate it. I, there's plenty of them that did, in my opinion. But at this point, you can't not see this, especially when you knew what you didn't do and did do. These people are hurting people, whether it's because they're afraid to be accountable or what. I don't, I don't know. But they will be accountable if there's any justice in this world. Dr. Nassim Holter points out, we don't need more data. Remember this guy, the one that just moments ago was yelling about how you were a conspiracy theorist and saw the light? Or at least that's how the story goes. I mean, I, I, the more he continues to do this, the more it seems like he's fighting for the reality. But I, 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 we should question all of these people. There's obviously a lot of, you know, shills and co-op things going on today. I mean, it's always have been. But this is, he's, this is a highly respected cardiologist. And he, is, he stood up and said, I was wrong. I never, I shall play the clip next. We don't need more data to stop the mRNA jabs now, he says. What's going on can only, with capitals, be explained by the downstream effect of a psychopathic culture created by the legal entity that is the corporation. I guess he's sort of laying at the feet of Pfizer, but I think it's more than just the company, but I agree with that. He says, wake up, people. Please wake the hell up. As it shows here, and I actually just shared this from Senator Jared, uh, Jared, uh, Gerard Rennick. Cardiac presentations to the SA Hospital, South uh, Australia, I believe, or maybe, oh, wait, no. I want to make sure I know where he was from again. Hold on. Yeah, Queensland. Okay. Uh, it, it says age 15 to 44, cardiac, so heart attack, heart problems, for 15 to 44, doubled just as the jab was rolled out. Another safety signal ignored. I mean, you can't miss things like this. Nobody even cared to explain what that was caused by. It wasn't COVID. They've already counted this out in most of these situations. Especially we can point at peer-reviewed science that says it's not even possible, but, you know, another conversation. Here he is saying, we have pulled vaccines in the past for much less. We have got the highest level quality of data saying this is one in 800 at least. He is literally telling you right now, one in every 800 people taking this shot are going to have a problem. Not a sore arm, but a real problem. This vaccine needs to be suspended completely. Thank God there's somebody else who's willing to take this passionate line. This is not safe for anybody. Now, I don't, I'm not going to say I was the first person to just give up on trying to, like, I wasn't, even, I would honestly, I've always been saying exactly what I thought the reality was, but there was a point at which I was like, well, am I right? Right? Is this something that, should, that might help some people? But very early on, I was like, I'm done. The evidence is so damn clear, and I'm glad to see somebody like at his level coming out and being absolute about it. This is bad news for the 99-year-old and the, the six-month-year-old. It is bad for everybody. Everybody. And here's what he has to say. Please listen to him. Wow, that's the best reception I think I've ever received. Let's take you on the journey and go back a little bit in time into the coronavirus pandemic, okay? Once you exclude age, the most important risk factor for poor COVID outcomes was excess body weight. But at that point, certainly, I did not, and I'll be very honest with you, I did not conceive at all of the possibility that a vaccine could do any significant harm, and certainly not harm to the heart. A whistleblower, a cardiologist from a very prestigious British institution, contacted me and said there were a group of researchers that have accidentally found inflammation of the coronary arteries with the mRNA vaccine that's there in the vaccinated but not there in unvaccinated. They compared the two. But they then had a meeting and said, guys, we're not going to publish these findings because it may affect our funding from the drug industry. In the original trials that led to the approval, coercion, mandates of the vaccine, one was more likely to suffer a serious adverse event, disability, hospitalization, life-changing event, than one was to be hospitalized with COVID. 
Now, let's give some perspective here. We have pulled vaccines in the past for much less. We have got the highest level quality of data saying this is one in 800 at least. There is no, this is not, it shouldn't in normal circumstances even be debated. This vaccine right. needs to be suspended completely pending an inquiry, right? Now, it's not, it's not just that, it's, you know, just because he says it does not make that the reality, right? Sorry, I got off center. But just take a win there, guys, right? I mean, my God, it's been hard for a lot of people. It just be, you know, I mean, I at least have an outlet. I can come out here and I can speak. And I got a lot of like-minded people who are interested in the reality, whether they question what I'm saying or not. And I hope you all do. But to have that being stated by somebody like him, like this is not even up for debate. This thing should have been pulled. There shouldn't even be a question. They're hurting people. You knew that. You stood your gun. And if you're out there right now and you were pressured and attacked and forced and lost your job and you still didn't give in, that is such a huge win for you. And you need to stand there and realize that you made the right choice and that every single person you influenced to realize it was wrong, you probably saved their life. Maybe potentially at least saved the quality of their life. You need to understand that. There's a huge thing right there. Everybody needs to be aware of how dangerous this is for everybody. Now, what's even crazier about this is even these kind of brainwashed talking heads out there, like on The View, are, I mean, I don't even, I think, just to be clear, they're all still promoting that this thing's safe and we all need to trust the government and blah, blah, blah. But what she says here, it's like they, they can't even control the Orton window, which is sort of allowing you to be like, yeah, these boosters are killing. Like, she literally says getting boosted with an inch of your life and then getting COVID again. Right. But we're the ones. I mean, just it's incredible. Watch what she says here. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I tell you, you know, you can get boosted within an inch of your life. And then the next thing you know, you got COVID again. <laughs> yeah, right. Totally. Because, you know, that's how vaccines work. Right. They almost kill you. But then you get sick with the thing you just took it for. You know, dang it. Get vaccinated, though. <laughs> wow. God, but I don't have it now, and that's why I'm back at the table. <laughs> but I will tell you, you know, we, we've been used to people saying, well, it wasn't that bad. This was a rough one. Yeah, this was, was a rough still one. Felt right, so it's not supposed to be like that, right? This is supposed to make it less. So what the argument is, if she didn't have the vaccine, she would have died? That, that's probably what they're going to say. Rough. Huh? Yeah, it, it was. It wasn't feeling rough. It was it rough. Was, it yeah. was rough. You know, you get up and you think, oh, I'm going to go. No, I'm not. Yeah. You know, it's right. interesting. We've and don't, been seeing. Don't forget that was the crux of one of the main points of the study that Dr. Claire Craig pointed out, which is why I saw it, which is about the bivalent injection, the newest one that says that 25 percent of people that took this wouldn't couldn't make it to work for the next week. That's not a sore arm, guys. I mean, this is wild. And that was the point is it, it's, it's way worse. They have worse side effects. It lasts longer there. And, and the point is they're claiming it's the best, the same efficacy. That's not good. And the point is even that's not even the reality. It's wildly worse in every way. And I think we're beginning to see that. And the point is they don't even have to take the tests. They're pointing at old stuff. That's why I guess seven to 10% of people even step in, stepped up to get it. And I think most of them are people that are already trapped in the four where, oh, well, I don't want to lose my job now. I already got the first two. Please don't fall into that trap. You're better off finding a new job than taking more of this crap. That's just the simple reality. It's not just me saying that anymore. We were worried about a resurgence during the mm -hmm. holidays. And I was flying uh, this weekend. I flew to Florida. I was the only person with a mask on. Mm -hmm. What does that show you? You guys are not the majority. That's, a, that's another insight. 
They love to project the fact that it's all the, you know, the Republican minority out there, the conspiracy theorists, anti-vaxxers that aren't listening, and the rest of us are all on the side of truth. No, nobody's going along with this anymore. You're all trying to get even the vaccinated people to take them out. They're like, no, screw this. I don't like you guys anymore. You're the only brainwashed idiot still wearing masks. You're the ones because you guys are lost. And that's what they want you to think is the majority. And I was thinking, people, you, it's here. It's still here. It's going to be here forever because that's what they're telling you. Still, right? So let's wear our masks. Let's take the precautions. Take the precautions because it's important. You know, I mean, that, <laughs> at the end of the day, guys. It's ridiculous that they're even still pushing the idea that masks are even efficacious. And you know what they're still pointing at in most cases? Cloth masks. Don't we already realize that even their own sides have admitted that that's not even true anymore? Oh, it's now it's N95 narrative. Got it. Nope, not those either. None of them are statistically significant reducing transmission. I have beaten that into the ground and people are still seeing it, but they still have the narrative. Here's Liz Wheeler pointing out, and I, I wanted to re reiterate this because... Uh, we might we met we played a clip of somebody who was in the meetings referencing that they said this. But here's Liz Wheeler uh, from, I believe, I don't know, is she still from One American News or she I guess she's just the host of the Liz Wheeler show. I'm just noticing that in here. In any case, I'm pretty sure she's One American News, right? It was Ontario doctors are instructed to medicate you if you don't want to take the covid vaccine. So apparently this is now in documentation. I mean, I'm my God. One, it's one thing to force it on people, even though you know it's not safe, but now you're going to literally try to force it on people, even though you know it's not safe in many cases, and then medicate them if they don't take the dangerous thing. <laughs> now, what's in that medicate? I mean, the point is, this is so far off the way. I, I can't believe this is actually happening, even though I see these things coming and see the real picture of these people, I think. I'm still blown away that they're still going with this. Here's what she had to say. What the website of the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Ontario says. It says, quote, it is also important that physicians work with their patients to manage anxieties related to the vaccine and not enable avoidance behavior. In <laughs> wow. cases of serious concern, responsible use of prescription medications and or referral to psychotherapy are available options. Wow. Overall, physicians have a responsibility to allow their patients to be properly informed about vaccines and not have those anxieties empowered by an exemption. So my verdict is, wow, yes, this is in fact a true claim. This is what the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Ontario is telling doctors. I, and I like that. I like that she's doing this, you know, like go, going through not like mainstream claims and doing the, the fact check version. But these are claims circulating in the independent media. And instead of just taking it at face value, going like, let's break this down and try to find the reality. Good for her. That's great. I love this. That if a patient has declined the COVID-19 vaccine, they are not to, quote unquote, empower that patient with an exemption that the, the declining of the vaccine is automatically labeled as an irrational anxiety and the recourse for that in the in in the eyes of this medical organization is prescription medications and or psychotherapy. They wow. want to drug you to trick you into taking the COVID vaccine. I mean, even just the fact that it's a possibility, it's just mind blowing. By the way, I saw in the back of their TV, it said locals VIP. We also have a locals channel, by the way, locals. I think that's last American or something like that. Uh, we don't you know, necessarily lean into it as much. I want to. It's just one of the many things I can't. I don't get to in a day. But it's a good. It's a, it seems like it'd be a good platform. But I, there's ways you live stream through it and so on. But the last couple of points I want to make on this today, I want it's important to realize. Now I've refrained from talking about this documentary for obvious reasons, guys. 
the problem here, I've been trying really hard not to be divisive and, and like, it's just so frustrating because there's so many things that like, like if I have a, a critique, let's say, if I watch this documentary and I'm like, well, that's not true or that's taken out of context. Don't I have a right to point that out to say that I actually like, there's some things in this that are, I think are true and I'll even play a clip from one, but there's a lot of stuff in this documentary for died suddenly that I think is, is, is going to hurt the truth. And the problem is, is that maybe that's by accident. I don't know. But when I come out and say these things, or I say like, you know, why didn't this person do this, even though we all know they're supposed to, and the pro you get attacked for it. Wow, you don't care that it's getting reached. It's like, why? Who said that? Don't we have a right to point out that we, you know, that people did hard? Like, if you know, and that's, I don't want to go on on a tangent here, but the point is that it, the, the way we know this works is that if 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 I do this, then you get attacked by their audience. Oh, you're chilling for the truth. You know, even if even the argument, even underneath this comment. Is like, well, yeah, some of those things are not accurate, but isn't it more important that it gets out? No, it's not, because that's exactly how this works. That is how this stuff works. And again, I'm not saying it's intentional. I don't know, and I wouldn't claim that. But if it were, let's just say it's the State Department doing something, not this, but their own thing. The way that would be done is to bury a really important lie in a bunch of truth or ultimately muddy the truth with a bunch of things that are used to just debunk the whole thing. Now, that's I'm glad that Dr. Claire Craig pointed this out. And she just says, sometimes I wonder if this isn't carelessness, but an intent to muddy the waters, mixing up good evidence with bad. Now, I don't know if she's saying that that's what this is or just that, that pop, I, I agree with floating that out there. In whether this or anything else, some we just got to ask those questions, wondering if sometimes it's actually more about intentionally burying something important amongst a bunch of things that can be dismissed. And you, you guys can read these checks, you know, a lot of them down here say that, like, well, isn't it more important that this gets, you know, <laughs> that's, I mean, I mean, the truth is more important instead of burying it a bunch of things. I mean, to my point is in this, I did watch this and I was, I was pretty let down by it because I was looking forward to this because everyone was talking about it. And the point is there's a lot of stuff in there that I can quickly show you is going to be used. And it already is to show and, and rightly so to point out that that's inaccurate. And then when they point out it's inaccurate, they're going to be called shills, and maybe they even are, but for, but they're right in this case. Now, there is also a lot of things in this that are true, that are at least important to point at if they're in the middle, but then a lot of things that are important and true. The pro, Like, for instance, just to make one point, there's examples of people uh, that are, you know, being shown as a clip of a collapsing athlete, except the one of the one, one example I'm thinking of that you can look at is from 2020 before the vaccines were even being given. And in fact, it turns out he was collapsing because of an injury. Now, I'm not saying that's everything in the documentary, but that's one example. Now, if I was somebody trying to debunk this, I'd be like, well, there you go. If they're going to insert something without even making sure it's the right time frame or they don't care, well, I'm going to make everything in this documentary is going to be suspect. And that's what's already happening. And the question should be whether that was the intention. In any case, here is somebody, and this is everywhere right now, died suddenly. Elon interesting overlap with the whole Twitter discussion, letting conspiracy nuts communicate their fear-based lies about a vaccine that has saved millions of people. Now, you see, neither of those things are true because there is some truth in that documentary and these vaccines haven't saved lots of people. The problem is, is that it's easy for people to digest because they make a simple argument. There's a fact-checked article that says this thing's out of context and done. Now, that's not their fault that these people are willing to dismiss the entire thing because of one bad point, but they always use that. They always do. She says, seriously, you don't want COVID unvaxxed. You don't want long COVID. <laughs> trust the science. Right. So trust the thing that we haven't proven because you're smart. Right. But anyway, the point is here that this is a problem. It's everywhere right now. 
And I think that, the, that a lot of this is happening today. So you watch, I, I, I recommend you watch it for yourself, but make sure you critical through it. Not just because you think it's a win for us, even like this is, you know, you could call this like lying for your truth. It's like he pointing out where people will alter an image. Even though it's fake, they alter it to something they actually think is happening. So they think they can inform people about what they think is happening, even though when they find out the image is fake, they ignore the whole thing. Like that's a lot of that happening. And some of it is with good intentions, but it's all part of the problem as far as I'm concerned. Let's not forget that the people behind this documentary were hawking materials around the snake venom and how they could take that out of your body. I mean, come on, guys, we need to be objective about this. And I don't know if any of that was on purpose. Question everything, including what we're talking about today. Now, here is a clip from the documentary. And it says, this is great. This is what I know. This is just what this doctor is saying he's seeing. But it says, are you saying babies are having heart attacks in the womb? He says, yes. The point is, we are seeing these kind of effects on babies in in vitro or in the vitro in vivo. Babies in the womb. As well as babies born, as well as just people in general taking the injection. So this is a valid point. But the problem is they dismiss this because they feel like the or they, they can prove that, that things they're using are taken out of context or not proven or and so on. And that's how this works. And sadly, this is going to get ignored. Into pregnancy, we're looking at a substantial increase in miscarriages, in birth defects, a substantial risk of fetal cardiac arrhythmia, fetal All cardiac real. malformations, significant fetal growth slowing, significant reduction in amniotic fluid, fetal cardiac arrest. Are you saying babies are having heart attacks in the Yes. The vaccine causes Crazy. a significant inflammatory effect. Three different safety monitoring systems. Again, right. they found no. So the point here, guys, is that, that that's a very important statement from a doctor. The claims he's seeing that. Now, look, I don't need him to say that. We've proven that this thing is having that effect. And if it's having an effect on the, on the pregnant woman and we're seeing stillbirths, I mean, it's an obvious conclusion to come to. But the problem is that that's going to be buried. Maybe that was the point. But the, the, the scary, alarming reality is that this is everywhere like we've been showing you since 2021. I always love to shout out Jay Wilderness and his, his videos that really got a lot of attention for this topic. Good Science Inc. continues to compile this information. They just want to dismiss it all as fake news. But she points out, this is actually mind-blowing. This keeps happening. And even their excuse is going to blow your mind even more. The same garbage they tried to push about, I think it was, um, oh, was it, what was the guy's name? Marion Weber was it? No, I forget who it was. It was the football player that who died in his apartment. Heat stroke, <laughs> and it was like eighty degrees. Or the fact that all these people they act like we're collapsing because of this or that or heat related, and it was seventy six degrees at that rally they're pointing at. Same thing again here. I, I, I guess they just think you're that stupid. Three heart attacks, thirty three hospitalizations, one hundred and twenty five cases or, or uh, uh, issues. Or oh, I, I think it was, hold on, it went up since then. I think it's 125 medical attentions. That's what they've changed it to now. So the point is, all of that at a marathon, a half marathon. People that train for this. Now, sure, as they try to make the argument in the, in the article, well, certainly people could try to do this and underestimate the problem of this, how serious it is, or rather how arduous it is, or, you know, how hard it is. Third tragic marathon this year, the media blames the weather. Can you guess what the temperature was? Well, here's the original article. Shows the dangers, right? So all of this doesn't show the problems of people having unnecessary heart attacks we can't verify and prove where they came from. No, but just simply shows what the, the dangers of pushing the body to limits of to limited sports. 
Okay, did it happen last year? No. How a year before? No. Okay, well, then what the world are you talking about? It's the same marathon. I mean, like, is it, only, is it suddenly more dangerous now? That's what they're trying to argue. And of course, they want to put in a little nudge, wink, wink to the climate change agenda. It, it, in a test that had, uh, translation, 30,000 participants. It's a, a, a marathon or a trial or whatever it translated to. It's what the test is supposed to be. This is translated from Spanish. 30,000 participants. There were three cases of heart attacks and 125 medical attentions. I mean, my God, almost all due to heat stroke resulting from the unusual 26 degrees Celsius that were recorded during the race. Now, of course, for the people in the United States, myself included, I have no idea. I mean, I do know how the translation goes, but I'm always like, what is that in Fahrenheit? (laughs) Here it is. 78 degrees. 78 degrees. That's beautiful. We're we're pretending 78 degrees. I mean, maybe you could argue that the humidity was off the charts, but I don't think that's the case. Either way, it's 78 degrees. And we're going to pretend that these people are having heart attacks because they're running a half marathon in 78 degree weather when most of these people are well aware that a marathon, you know, is difficult. That's their argument. Heat strokes. You know why they say heat strokes when it's not hot? Because they are related to the heart. We're watching people's bodies shut down. Now, here is the American frontline doctors with their frontline news platform. November 22nd. Now it says, while Spanish media are calling the number of casualties unprecedented, they're chalking it up to the day's temperature, 78 degrees Fahrenheit. In August, two runners died and 74 were hospitalized during the Comrades Marathon in South Africa, reported America's Frontline News. At least one of the fatalities suffered a sudden heart attack. Like this stuff is not the way, and actually I'll, I'll let them make the point since they were the one that wrote it. And this is exactly what we try to do with the collapsing athletes and the FIFA and NIH studies. You know, use peer-reviewed science that they made or produced to prove that this is gigantically above what would normally happen, and they don't care. News media blamed the local weather, even at South Africa, even though it was partly cloudy and only 71 degrees. See how this keeps continuing to happen? The tragedy follows a similar one. All they want is you to look back and remember that it was so hot, people died. That way they can push the narrative of the fact that we're, you know, hurting the planet, climate change. Oh, even though we are hurting the planet, not the way they're politically politically using it, I would argue. The tragedy follows a similar one in May when America's Frontline News reported that 16 people were taken to the hospital after running the Brooklyn Half Marathon, including four runners who collapsed and a 30-year-old runner who died of cardiac arrest. Start to see a pattern here? The media blamed the weather. Which, of course, range from low 60s to high 70s with high humidity. Now, humidity can and does make a fact, have a factor. But the point is, these are runners and these are people that know what they're doing in most cases. And the fact is, they're running a marathon. People don't just casually step into a marathon, most usually. Let alone 16 people going to the hospital, one having a heart attack. We're watching exactly what you think we're watching. Now, a meta-analysis, this is the important part, conducted by York St. Uh, York John University in 2016 you know, pre-COVID mania, reviewed sudden cardiac death in marathons. So exactly what we're talking about. In the 34 years between 1976 and 2010, and guess what they found? The incident rates between about 0.6 and 1.9 per 100,000. Way, way, way past that. The total number of runners in the Comrades Marathon was capped at 15,000, and around 20,000 runners reportedly participated in the Brooklyn Half Marathon. That would put the incident rate per 100,000 at 13.3 and 5, respectively. Still confused? 
The obvious reality is that the numbers that they see, they know, are so far past what we've ever seen. And their only response is that it's just the heat. It must not be the vaccine. So let's just pretend it's not there. It's the Vayers analogy all over again. We don't seem to care why it's, what, 14 times higher? What, 13 times higher? That doesn't matter to them as long as it's not the vaccine. Blame the heat, even though it's not hot. This is broken, people. I mean, this is crazy. And as I told, told you before, as Pierre, Pierre Corey points out, how it started. Remember this? FDA, you're not a horse. You're not a cow. Seriously, y'all, stop it. Stop using ivermectin. Right now, jump to today. FDA says telling people not to take ivermectin was a recommendation. Did it say, please stop it? Did it say, don't do it? I mean, the bottom line is that's just one tweet. The reality was they were putting people in jail for recommending this. But we're going to pretend like, no, we were just telling you we shouldn't, just in case you want to make that choice. Do they really think people are this dumb? Especially, I mean, guys, this we're, now we know, mo, even the people shouting this down know this is not horse paste anymore. But they th- that was how dumb that was. Horse paste, Joy Reid famously said. They're all taking horse paste in their line for horse paste injuries. No, no, that was COVID-19. Who cares? The narrative is gone now. Now to actually last two points. The foreign data, this is from Jessica Rose. This is actually mind-blowing to me that they think they can get away with this. And I don't think they even care. The foreign data set was gutted this week in Bayer's. And the cancer signal was halved. And the myocarditis dose three response signal was lost. 994 spontaneous abortions, stillbirths, were just removed. Now, of course, the person that's not going to want to hear this is going to say, well, they probably checked and knew they were fake. Except we just went through reports where they're admitting that they haven't even begun to look into this stuff. So let's just imagine where they in a world where they can say it's all unverified. So and we haven't even looked into it. And remember that they've already admitted multiple times that they haven't done that as, as recently as like a month ago. I, when I, I, I don't know exactly the date, but we saw them basically were forced to admit that they don't even have the resources, as I continue to say, to even begin to do the right kind of due diligence, you know, death reports, autopsies to find out where hundreds of thousands of these reports are not accurate. So then ask yourself if that's not happening, which we know it's not. What happened to 994 spontaneous abortions? As she writes, most of you know. Me, her, and a bunch of her other people are monitoring Bayer's data very closely. And she, she's a doctor as well. This week, the first thing she noticed was that the foreign data set from other countries was, a, was less than a fraction of the size that it was last week. Again, with no possible way that they're just like ruling this stuff out. Down from 283.51 megabytes to 96.81. There is a disclaimer now under the Bayer's data that states the following. So this is no mistake. Now I'm going to read you this in a second. It's actually pretty shocking that they're just blatantly saying they removed this data. And I'll show you. It's more important to see what it said before and then to look at this. And I'll show you that next. She says she decided to process the data. She always does on Friday. The first thing she noticed is that the myocarditis dose three response signal. Just gone. You know, just disappeared. As if we're not on dose four and five. Yeah, dose three, just gone. Let's just remove dose three and pretend like dose two all the way to bivalent is the only way it makes sense. They're hiding everything. I mean, how do you even explain why you would just remove dose three? Look, for those not in the podcast, the blue is dose three. It's just gone. It's not adjusted. It's gone. There is a 49% decrease now in the number of myocarditis reports. Just slash 50% gone. All dose three gone. 
The second thing she noticed was that 944 spontaneous abortions are just missing now. Just removed. Gone. No explanation, no justification. The third thing she noticed was that the cancer reports, although they maintain a similar age distribution as the previous weeks, there's a 46% decrease in reports. Now, she's not talking about like from week to week that there's less people reporting it. She's talking about the numbers are less. How do you just drop 46% if you remove stuff? There's no other way around that. They're not vetting the stuff. Not in that number anyway. As she says, there's so much more to cover. She'll update as time goes on. So keep track of her Substack and check out ours as well while we're talking about Substack. It's important to support us there. But she points at Open Bayers for more. And here's what Open Bayers has to say about it. As they're pointing out, as of November 18th, they stopped putting lots of different information in here. And this affects the narrative, the country data, as well as uh, it points out the history, allergies, medications, lab data. So the disclaimer at the requ- it says right here that change this is the this is what it said first. Now I argue this disclaimer is basically just saying. You know, please note that Bayer staff follow up on all serious things. Basically, it's unverified, but we do our best to check on all of it and blah, 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 even though we know they don't do that. They don't check all of this stuff. In general, coding terms in Bayer's do not change based on information and so on. Now, here's what it says. At the request of European regulators, the CDC and the FDA. Oh, excuse me. At the request of European regulators, CDC and FDA have removed certain data fields. Country codes, reported symptom, case narrative, uh, diagnostic laboratory data, illness at the time of vaccination, chronic conditions, te- uh, medical history, allergies. How is that not relevant from foreign Bayer's reports, which were submitted to Bayer's and may not comply with European regulations? Oh, great. So bureaucracy. But domestic, at least not yet, reports are not affected by this process. They're, I mean, they're just blatantly saying this. So the EU reached out and said, yank this stuff from your data. And a- as a result... This is what we're seeing. A dramatic decrease. Now, I don't know if that means they included stuff from the U.S. as well. I, either way, how do you explain that? Nobody even cares to look into this. They're going to see a fact check on that. Now, all this said today, everything, again, just realize what Jay Bhattacharya is telling you. What we've already talked about because we've already shown you this study. The Ionitis team preprint on COVID infection fatality rate. Not, not case fatality, infection fatality rate. The uh, infection fatality rate had an average of 0.035 for the 0 to 59-year-old population. 0 to 59, dramatically less than the flu. If the flu is 0.1 to 2, and this is 0.035 for the 0 to 59 population, we were lied to, guys. Lied to. The current analysis suggests, and we're still being lied to, as they claim that you're at risk from that. So get the shot that increases your risk dramatically. The current analysis suggests a much lower pre-vaccination infection fatality rate in non-elderly populations than previously suggested, meaning that even the risk to the elderly is dramatically less than they were forcing in with their manipulated information. Just It says across 31 systematically identified national seroprevalence studies, prevalent, excuse me, in pre-vaccination era, the, the average infection fatality rate of COVID was estimated to be 0.035 for zero to basically 60. 59 and 0.95 for those over zero to 69. The median infection fatality rate, the average for zero to 19, you know, the kids they're forcing this on now more than anybody, 0.0003%. This is the risk of infection fatality, meaning, you know, dying from getting sick. 
Right now, they're talking about take this to reduce your death. This thing is 0.0003% death rate for 19-year-olds and below. That's why, remember, the Oxford calculators always maintain that it's a million, one in a million chance, but yet they're forcing it on these people. 18-year-olds are being forced to take this to go to college. 0.003% for anybody 20, 20 to 29. Again, you can go all the way up, and the point is overall it ends up being 0.035. At a global level, at a global level, it has been as low as 0.03 and 0.07 for 0 to 59. 0 to 59, 0.03. Oh, excuse me, it's 0.07 and point and, and so it's 0 0.03 for 0 to 59 and then 0 0.07 for 0 to 69. How do you explain that? How do you argue that these people are at risk here but not everywhere else? Bottom line is we're being lied to. This is if the at worst the flu at at best nothing at all but this keeps going i mean that's why i'm so baffled about this this is still going and they're still pushing it and even people the norwegian health institute saying don't take it at all i won't take it while Fauci's forcing you know forcefully telling people to do it for their best interest this is wild thank you for tuning in today i know you're probably it's i didn't mean to go as late as i did today hopefully you're enjoying your families Right. Go out there and have a happy Thanksgiving or, you know, I, you know, it's funny as I can say have a happy Thanksgiving and I mean it. Right. Or I could say have a happy colonialization day. <laughs> and I mean that, too. The point is, we need to kind of try to disconnect from the political talking points and just realize that sometimes the days like this, we should just you know enjoy our family and the people you love and the people we care about. You guys right there for me. Right. It's important. That you guys, I care about everybody here and it's important that we just find that connection whether or not the history around this discussion is obviously manipulated and we're lied to about what actually happened and blah, blah, blah. That matters, right? But don't let that overtake everything and enjoy yourself today and try to enjoy your family and try to enjoy the wins that we're seeing today, that you are making a difference. I'm thankful for all of you. I'm thankful for the reality that we have changed what's happening and saved lives. So thank you for being here. As always, I love you all. Question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. While the vaccines provide strong protection for the vaccinated, this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. We can get there with vaccines. We can end this thing. But many people are still hesitant to get that jab. Defiance, defiance against vaccines and get the jab or risk losing your job. That's the ultimatum facing. The 1.2 million Victorians that cannot work from home. What do you think will be the new rule to require vaccination? And that's those vaccine mandates. I really feel like that is the last tool that we can use. You're not hazardous, go on. So I've had COVID at some point. Yeah. Uh, I've got antibodies. There are no data that prove that vaccine immunity is superior to natural immunity. I do not want to have vaccination. But in fact, there are much uh, data to the contrary. The science isn't strong enough. Literally millions of Americans who are COVID recovered. We take the very best advice that we can. Very solid evidence is demonstrating that these folks are equally, if not better, protected from subsequent infection. From the people that are vaccine experts. Yesterday, Twitter deplatformed Dr. Robert Malone in yet another long line of scientists, doctors, and experts who've been silenced during this pandemic. If you make the judgment to not get vaccinated, and you reckon you can wait out us or the publican or whoever you want to think you're waiting out 
you won't wait out the virus. Uh, having received two doses, it's a very effective vaccine. They do say that. <laughs> that hasn't proven to me to be true. They are literally in a fantasy world. Getting that third dose is protection against getting infected in the first place. Despite two, three, four doses of the vaccine, uh, it's not so good at preventing infection in the first place. I knew these vaccines were not going to protect against infection, and I think we overplayed the vaccine. They have one of the highest vaccination rates in the world. Studies showed that immune function among vaccinated individuals eight months after the administration of two doses of COVID-19 vaccine was lower than that among the unvaccinated. Australia this morning, the country now the world leader per capita when it comes to COVID-19 infections.